0: You're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view from our side of the
1: cockpit door. WAPG. It's the Airline Pilot Guy. Airline Pilot Guy, episode 498. Yeah, he's up in the sky. It's the Airline Pilot Guy. Hello? You're listening to the Airline Pilot Guys show, the view from our side of the cockpit door, with your host, Captain Jeff, broadcasting live from Studio 2C at the Marriott Marquis in Houston. Today's show is recorded on the 19th of November, 2021.
2: Yeah.
1: Today's episode, the NTSB outlines many errors leading to a 2019 fatal crash in Alaska. It turns out a flight instructor was on board a Canadian forestry plane when it landed with its gear up. More news, your feedback, and today's plane tale. So get all settled in. Tray tables and seatbacks in the upright and locked positions. Electronic devices powered on. I'm Radio Roger and Flight 498 is ready for pushback.
3: Thank you, Radio Roger. He is an award-winning TV and radio reporter, currently at the number one all-news station in the nation. Ten, ten wins in
2: New York City!
3: Welcome to the Airline Pilot Guide Show. It's an aviation podcast covering the latest in aviation news and answering your great feedback. I'm Captain Jeff, a pilot at a major legacy airline based in Atlanta, GA, and joining me today from an undisclosed location in A doctor, skydiver, marathon runner, strength training junkie, IPA connoisseur, and commercial multi-engine instrument rated backstabbing jumper dumper, Dr. Steph.
4: Hey, Kevin and Jeff. It is good to see you guys. And yeah, this is my mobile setup, mobile studio, and hopefully the A, that the internet on my mobile hotspot holds out, B, the battery on my computer holds out. And see, you can continue to hear me with this setup that I have, because, of course, I've never tried this setup before. And that doesn't sound like anyone that we know. So we'll, we'll go with it and see what happens.
3: <laughs> it works great. I never change a thing, as you know.
5: No, no, <laughs> never.
3: All right. And joining us from his studio.
5: In Hartford, Harrisburg, and Hampshire.
3: World Traveler. 500. No. Well, yeah, he used to be anyway. Uh, Professional photographer, former raf RAAF fighter pilot, retired Airbus A330-A340 captain for Virgin Atlantic Airways. (laughs) Uh, It's Captain Nick. (laughs) For Virgin.
6: Yeah, I've put down roots now. I'm not nearly so much of a world traveler. Uh, which uh, actually was typified by the fact that I took my setup to Farnborough and bought it back, and I've actually managed to get it going
3: again, which I think is remarkable. That is remarkable. The fact <laughs> that
6: you, yeah, the fact that you have to do this every almost every time. I know you're flying around the countryside doing it. I don't yeah. know how you do it. Anyway, it hurts, it hurts my head.
3: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> lovely to see you again. Great to see you. Hey, you guys want to cover some aviation news? Oh, please, let's do it.
2: Absolutely.
3: Stand by for news. We have an update on. I believe we covered this on the last episode. It was a crash of an Antonov AN 12 Bravo Kilo, registration Echo Whiskey 518 Tango India, performing a freight flight from Yakutsk to Irkutsk. Remember my inability yep, to pronounce? Nailed those? it. Yeah, nailed oh, it. Thank you. It was that was very good. <laughs> it was yeah.
4: flawless this time. Oh, Absolutely yeah. Flawless. Right.
3: Uh, I don't think you were here to. Uh, to hear it last time stuff no
4: i think i was actually. okay or at least i heard it on the ah. I
3: was. well anyway regardless um on the 12th of november which was about a week ago uh rose uh, reported there were four passengers and five crew on board the aircraft the aircraft performed an ils approach to runway 30 which was covered with a layer of dry snow of two millimeters According to the that doesn't seem very much. Uh, not according much. to the CVR transcripts, the crew was continuously monitoring the aircraft's position by distance and uh, altitude, most likely via GPS and radio altimeter. Upon reporting a height of 30 meters, the crew decided to go around and made an according call to ATC. The engine power was increased, however, no control inputs were made to bring the aircraft into a climb. No EGPWS alarms were audible. The aircraft collided with the trees and subsequently with the ground and caught fire. Uh, And, you know, we kind of, I I kind of speculated, you know, we we were talking about this. We weren't sure what could possibly have happened here. And I speculated that maybe they initiated the go around and the power came up, but they didn't ever try to pull back and climb the airplane away from the ground, which was the whole point of a go around. And, uh, which is kind of, um... Extraordinary to me because the aircraft commander had 14,625 hours total time, 11,182 hours on type, and 7,403 hours on in command. I so, mean, you would
4: think that would be a lot of practiced go arounds and missed approaches over that length of a career. You would think to uh, execute correctly.
6: Absolutely. I, I'm pretty sure they Go-around procedures will be similar to ours, uh, Jeff. So once you put the power on, uh, you call going around, the next thing you're waiting for is the call from the other pilot saying positive, positive rate, rate to give you the cue to raise the gear. And it's it's literally the next thing that happens. And if he doesn't call positive rate or isn't looking for it, something really weird has happened on the flight deck.
3: You know, we have added some extra steps in our go around procedure in the la- in recent times at ACME. And uh, so we, you know, hit the toga button, the takeoff go around power button. So if the auto throttles are on, which they almost always are, uh, the the power should start coming up. You should be following along with your hand and making sure that the uh, the power is coming up. And so we, we've added uh, toga power flaps 13 to kind of you know, lower the drag with the flaps, but still have, you know, sufficient lift with them. And then the added step is, uh, let's ensure that the power is indeed coming up and the nose of the airplane is actually, the pitch is actually increasing so that we're, you know, doing the basic steps of a go around and then positive rate gear up. And then some other added stuff, you know, that would probably be similar to other, um, standard operating procedures at various airlines and such. So it's it's something that actually has been happening in recent times where crews have uh, have forgotten that very critical step of ensuring that the nose is pointing in the right direction. Yeah.
5: So I guess you can't Absolutely. always go yeah. around. No, you can is understand
6: it. it perhaps single-man operations, if uh, he had been disorientated. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, but if you've got another pilot there, I mean, that's the whole point of the pilot monitoring is yep. to make sure that... You know everything is going uh, according to the you know normal procedures. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we'll we'll find out more. But at the moment, I'm completely bemused by this one.
5: Hmm. Yeah, I don't know.
4: A uh, uninteresting aside. I was uh, attending some family uh, stuff this past weekend out of town, and on the way back for the uh, second time only ever as a passenger, uh, we went around on final as a as a passenger on the uh, commercial flight. And there was a uh, Citation jet ahead of us that was rather slow in vacating the uh, runway environment. So. But it was funny. I was sitting up front, and um, the uh, two forward flight attendants were sitting in their jump seats having a conversation. I don't even think they actually noticed that we
3: went around. <laughs> They're so used to <laughs> it.
4: They didn't break their conversation. The flight attendant from the back came on to give a, little, a short PA, uh, oh, you may have noticed uh, we did not continue to landing, and uh, we'll get some information from the flight. attendant. like, that's pretty funny, actually, because they didn't stop their conversation at all. They just I love continued. it. I
6: love yeah. it. Did Did anyone <laughs> scream down the back?
4: No, no. There's definitely there's definitely at least one ab geek up front. He's like, "Ooh, go around." I was like,
3: <laughs> "Yeah, yeah." I, Liz is nice. saying in my ear, um, "Didn't you have a go around this week, Jeff? Last week? Ooh. Yeah, I did. Uh, we were." Uh, trying to do an approach to an airport somewhere <laughs> in, the Midwest. in the Midwest. And um, I was the pilot monitoring and we were um, doing a, a visual approach and uh, with automation and the automation wasn't doing exactly what um, uh, my FO thought it should be doing or it wasn't doing what it should be doing. And um, so I was saying like, okay, we're getting, we're getting high. Uh, we're getting high, and <laughs> it was like uh, on the uh, on the glide
4: slope. That is right. Yeah, Just on the glide down. slope. Oh yeah, we're not yeah. getting
3: high. we where... okay. Here, pa- pass the joint. Yeah, we're getting high. Uh, No, I just wanted to make
4: very, thank you. Thank
3: you for making that clear Steph. Uh, I need uh, all the help I can get. You know, I don't want to be in any more trouble than
4: looking out for you.
3: Thank you. you. And uh, yeah, so then finally I just went, uh, yeah, I think we should. And then he at about the same time said, "Uh, yeah, let's, let's go around. I said, yeah, that's a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) It's like uh, no way at this point we're going to be a recover, uh, be able to recover from this. And so, uh, you know, we performed the uh, go around procedure and got vectored around. No big deal. And, uh, you know, I, um, I may have uh, said something on the PA very similar to, uh, the, what you heard, uh, stuff, um, Mm. on, on the, uh, but, uh. Well,
4: I know, I know the particular instance, uh, my particular instance was true because I was actually watching it happen on flight radar before.
3: Wait a minute. You had your, um. Electronic, electronic device. device? I can neither the, confirm nor deny that. <laughs> that's
4: how
3: that works. Okay. Oh, I'll snip this out stuff. Don't worry. Yeah. Don't why. worry. I won't that's do why. that. <laughs> anyway. Yes. I was uh,
2: using my electronic device.
3: So, yeah. we And I was kind of surprised. The uh, tower usually asks, um, you know, what, what the reason for the go around was. And I was
4: going to say, did they want to know why? Uh,
3: no. They didn't ask, but maybe it was obvious. <laughs> I don't know. Um,
4: like, like you but, weren't gonna get here from there, so yeah, yeah we're, we're kind of looking out the window, going, "Try that again."
3: Yeah, this mm-hmm. is not gonna work. <laughs> like the like the uh, Delta pilot uh, going into Reno. Uh, How is this gonna how's work? That
2: gonna
3: work? <laughs> went, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> sure. How's this gonna work? <laughs> uh, anyway, we had a nice discussion about it afterwards, and he you goes, know, "Yeah, I probably just turned everything off." I went, "Uh huh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah." That probably would have been the best thing to do in that situation. Click, 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 but. You know, neither here it was a good learning experience. And you know, we were we were running way early and we still arrived at the gate early, so it wasn't a you know a big deal. But uh, anyway, just goes to show you you always should be ready for that old go-around procedure. You never know when you're gonna have to use it. You can always go around if it don't look right coming down. So there you go. Little slice of Jeff's life. All right. Um, anything else to say before we move on to the no. next item? All right. Uh, let me select it and start reading this. Uh, an update. Oh, uh, Liz, I think I have a, an overlay in there of this uh, wonderful man um, yeah, who was responsible that. basically for uh, indirectly for killing two people, um, uh, David Henderson uh, we've talked about this in the last couple of episodes, I believe. Uh, he uh, was responsible for transporting, or the safe transport, of Emiliano Sala, uh, the uh, footballer. I see the
5: overlay. Uh,
3: okay. Um, is it? Is there one labeled drunk? No, that's a. Uh, no, that's, that's not it. That's another one. Um, hmm. <laughs> that's me. Oh, that's that's a picture of Nick. <laughs> uh, no. Um, <laughs> hang on, let me see here. What did I do? Did I not get that in there? Uh, yes, I'm main... Well, you know what? Promising. We all know what he looks like. Oh, it's a uh, scumbag. Are... It's O1B yeah. scumbag. He's a
5: convict. Oh, there he is. No, I found it.
3: Yeah, you got it. See, I I, I literally labeled it scumbag. Yeah, <laughs> so, you did. Um, I hope that I don't um, have any legal uh liability for saying that. Um, yeah, he's in England. Anyway, uh, yeah, so he was responsible for organizing the flight and used a pilot that was not qualified to fly said flight. And uh, so he was in, uh, in trial, and uh, he was convicted. I think that was the last thing that we had talked about on our Correct. show. And now he has been sentenced to 18 months in prison. Uh, David Henderson, 67, of Hottam East uh, Riding of Yorkshire was found guilty last month of recklessly endangering the safety of an aircraft. And uh, so we just talked about what uh, what happened there. And uh, and I when we were talking about this uh, between shows and I thought, you know, 18 months, I mean, I'm glad that he was actually convicted and he's actually going to have to do some jail time. But 18 months just doesn't seem like enough. But oh, well, it's something, right?
6: No, I mean, um, I In guess they can sue he. It was responsible for setting it up, but the man who was ultimately responsible was the captain of the aircraft.
3: Yes, true. He's,
6: he has to shoulder the majority of the blame. This mm-hmm. man just facilitated mm-hmm. that. Right. So um, yeah. I, I guess that, that might explain it. Yeah, I guess you right. Well, um, you know, I
4: think it. I mean, I think it boils down to you know the intent there and his knowledge of what he was doing. So he clearly knew that that was. Um, was not appropriate in any way, shape, or form. Oh, absolutely. He organizing so he he had that knowledge. It was just, yeah. you know, he wasn't the one who was physically conducting the flight.
3: Yeah, he even said uh, to several people, that, that let's, time. you know, don't say anything to anybody about this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, might... he was
4: trying to hide it and cover yeah. it up and, and everything. And, and that very much implies guilt and prior knowledge of, mm-hmm. um, you know, it wasn't just like, oh, I had no idea that this person was right. unfit to conduct this operation and my job's just to pay the guy make sure it happens you know he he knew um, yep. so i think it's yeah
6: yeah i mean the, the court knew too good. they accused him of running a cowboy outfit which
3: oh, actually would be more
6: <laughs> You'd be more associated with that, wouldn't you, Jeff? Coming okay. from
3: Cowboy Land, yeah, yeah. We li- we live and and die here in uh, Cowboy co- Land. Yeah. But I have fun. to say that is Steph is much more of a cowboy. <laughs> what? referring to America? Yeah, of course. Anytime, anytime you say cowboy, of course he's talking about pilots in America. Yes, absolutely. No, that's yes.
4: like pilots in the Old West. Cowboys.
3: That's
6: it. Um, yes, pilots in the it. West of America. Old old West. So, the old the West. Old there West. weren't any pilots yes. in the old West. That's my point. <laughs>
3: <laughs> all right. Um, I just thought it might make a good show title. That's all. Oh, I see. He's always thinking about the cover art. Here, let me say <laughs> yes, something <I> <laughs> very clever that could be a title, and it could make my life easier. Yeah, my the, job very easy. Yeah, yes, exactly. I don't blame just you for that. Find
6: a cowboy flying an airplane now. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, well, uh, maybe we can come up with some other cute uh creative ideas for show titles uh, by continuing with the news. Um here, this might be some good fodder. Um we talked about this uh on an earlier show as well. Um the I think we did, maybe we never got to it. Um and now Liz is not there to tell me whether or not I'm right or wrong about that, so Anyway, let's uh, maybe you guys recognize this. Do you recognize this uh, news yeah, item? I recognize it.
4: Yeah. I can't remember like okay. specifically discussing it. Or we right we, we didn't talk much sure about it. We, okay, we at least mentioned
3: it. Well, I guess uh, we're talking about a Canadair CL four hundred and fifteen that landed uh, belly. Well, it's it's an amphibian uh, aircraft, so which means it can land on the water or on land, and they were coming in for landing. On land, uh, but they landed gear up, and so the uh, the the concrete was much harder than water and uh, did some damage to the uh, belly, scraping the belly of this uh, CL four fifteen on May second, twenty twenty one. And okay, great. Liz is back now. We uh, we were just discussing. We've we've uh, actually covered this news item, except that there is a like a new development in it. I guess. Right? That's why it's in there.
5: Which one are we
3: talking uh, about? The sorry?
5: number uh, 1C. Uh, I guess.
3: Yeah, I don't remember I don't if we covered it or not. Anyway, I so. I don't think we had, but. Yeah, the Transportation Safety Board of Canada is advising operators of two pilot aircraft to ensure their standard operating procedures clearly define how items on flight checklist should be confirmed and verified. The investiga- uh, investigative agency issued the caution in a report released Thursday about the landing of an Ontario Ministry of Natural Resources and Forestry water bomber with retracted landing gear on runway 12 at Sault Ste. Marie. Sault Ste. Marie. Marie. Okay. I- I'd rather say salt. Salt Marie. Sault Marie. On May 2nd, two pilots were on board. The training flight, an instructor pilot was in the plane's left seat and was monitoring a pilot in the right seat who was receiving training while flying the big aircraft. The pilot, being trained, had practiced the same procedures in a CL-415 flight simulator two months earlier. They were practicing a flapless landing, not using the flap, uh, the flight control aileron flaps located near the end of an aircraft's wings. Neither of the two pilots noticed that the landing gear wasn't down. Much of the investigative report focused on how p- the pilots responded to actions required in the provincial ministry's gear down landing checks checklist. And uh, Liz, um, if you can put the checklist, uh, I think it's the uh, one of those overlays right there. There, there it is. Gear down landing checks. So we have uh, if we were landing on the runway. Number one, gear down. Three green. Condition levers, max flaps as required, 25 when landing assured, brakes parking off. That's always a good idea. Uh, Pressure checked. Nose wheel steering uh, bypass, I guess, uh, press in. I'm not sure what PBA means. Um, I know what PBR means, but that's entirely something different. And then... uh, Lights and taxi landing as required. Okay. So um, it goes on. Air operators who use two crew aircraft should ensure that their company standard operating procedures clearly define how checklists are intended to be actioned and that items affecting aircraft configuration are confirmed and verified, the report concluded. Flight crews are reminded to exercise additional vigilance during airborne training flights, given the significant potential for distraction from normal cockpit duties while instructions taking place. The report noted there was no no there was significant damage to the water bomber's belly, but no injuries to the crew. Um, so, basically, here I guess we're talking about maybe people that are used to flying solo, as Steph does quite often, right, Steph? I mean, solo in the in the manner of you, the only pilot, single
4: pilot operations, right?
3: So. Uh, I'm sure that when you're doing a checklist, you don't, do you say gear and then say to yourself in response down three green, or how does that work in a single Sometimes. pilot operation? Yeah. yeah. Okay.
4: Sometimes I say it out loud.
3: So, um, we're not
4: strictly required to, but yeah,
3: Sometimes I've been it's playing
4: just to say it out loud, to know that you've, you've yeah. done it, you know, it's a lot easier to keep track of something you've said out loud than it is to say it in your head.
3: There's nobody. I mean, there. especially do
4: for, for takeoff check and, uh-huh. um, yeah, and pre pre landing checklist for sure.
3: And there's nobody there really to kind of double check and monitor and no. you know, cross check. It, right? It's just so it's, it's just
4: for me. But
3: mm-hmm. um, so in crew airplanes that uh, I've been flying for most of my career, and I know that Nick has uh, quite a bit of experience in. Crew uh, aircraft as well. It's a, it's a very important thing for us to, and there are certain things delineated on checklists that actually require a response in uh, an out loud verbal response from one or both of the crew members, wh- whether it's pilot flying uh, or and or pilot monitoring, and um, it's it's something that uh, you know is ingrained in us and. Uh, Hopefully in this situation, if they had, if that was part of their culture, uh, one of them would have said um, if somebody had said gear down, you know, or the other person would have said down and whatever. In other words, there's more chance to trap the error in that kind of situation when you're, you know, doing this kind of as a challenge response kind of thing. And it looks like maybe they didn't have that SOP set up, or if they did, they weren't practicing it.
4: So just like anything else, even saying it out loud is not a guarantee that you're not going to screw it up. Right. So, you know, say it out loud, take half a second to look, think about, touch whatever it is. If you need to actually move gear levers or position flaps or actually physically look at the trim that you have set, Um, you know, as you're doing it, make it very intentional every single time. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the more flights you do per day, the more uh, rote that becomes and the easier it is to forget if. Did I do it this flight or did I do it, uh, you know, the one before, which was only 20 minutes ago? Um, It's, yeah, you have to be intentional about what you're doing in addition to saying it, having your procedure, calling the procedure every single time.
3: Yeah.
6: I must admit it's harder for guys to do your style of flying, uh, Jeff, because um, you're doing several sectors a day and you're repeating those checklists over and over and over again. It would be... Very easy to become blasé about it, yeah. and uh, go, oh god, you know this is the tenth time today I've done it, or whatever. I can't be bothered. Uh, for the last long haul guys, it was much more important with the fatigue factor built in. Um, so uh, you, but you do have to be so disciplined about it. Um, funnily enough, in the Air Force where I did quite a bit of uh, single seat flying at uh, all the bases where. There were fighters, uh, single-seat uh, fighters flying. They definitely had a runway caravan controller, and the, the one of the main jobs of that controller was to be the equivalent of the second pilot for someone making an approach and visually check the gear was down because, uh, you know, a single-seat pilot might uh, not have that double check and having someone on the ground doing it for every landing uh,
3: was a good fail safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had something in the training command um, when the students were out there, well, for everybody in the pattern, uh, it was called the runway supervisory unit and it was usually a couple of instructors out there trained to do this job and basically it was we're like silent tower controllers essentially and just double checking, make sure, making sure that people aren't coming in with their gear up.
6: Absolutely. Um, the, uh, the Australians had a, a different system. Uh, when your gear down uh, was down, when you press the transmit button at the end of your transmission, the uh, radio would give a bleep, uh, which indicated to the tower controller that the gear was down. So you didn't need an extra body on the end of the runway, but they got that confirmation every time you call finals, they listened for the bleep to make sure that you had your gear down, hmm. which I thought was quite clever.
3: Interesting, but
6: but then again, most of these airplanes have got uh, warnings if they come below a certain height uh, without your gear. They usually use your horn blares, but right? Perhaps not in this case. But in this
3: case, and, yeah. uh, and Liz plenty was of saying, documented
4: occasions. Uh, sorry, plenty of not, documented occasions where people have just ignored that completely because <laughs> yes, they have such yes, a
3: so. bias yeah. that they've
4: already done it. So why did you, know? you land
3: gear up? Well, um, there was happens. some kind of a noise blaring in the background and that was, was distracting. I was <laughs> distracted. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's actually I thought I better there. just get the
4: plane on the ground as fast cool.
3: yeah, Figure out what, what's going on after I get it on the figure ground. Figure it out from there. Yeah. Um, but Liz was asking, well, can, doesn't this airplane also land on the water? I said, yes. It's, uh, it's. And that's one of the tough things. I've never flown an airplane, an amphibian airplane, I know, Steph. Uh, you've been you've flown uh, float planes. I would imagine that you could probably land those on land as well. Do they have the capability of uh,
4: the one that the one that I flew did not have wheels. Okay. but They would land. It was they were able because the aircraft was so light and the um, floats so robust. They could land it on uh, grass as no. long as it wasn't overly dry and was sufficiently long. I have no idea how that actually worked, but that's how they would. But the whole season, the whole season it stayed on the water, and then they would only do that once per season just to uh, get it back on wheels.
3: I would imagine that flying an amphibian would be particularly, um, not difficult, but uh, you know, different set of
4: checklists, right? Yeah, because you okay, you have to really
3: like say, okay, I'm landing this on water, okay, just I'm landing on the water, I do not want my gear down because if you land one of these things with the gear down in the water, I mean, it could be a lot worse consequence than what we're seeing here in this incident. Yeah.
6: Yeah. Yeah. Hence the need for discipline. Interestingly, um, Ben says, um, the dragon noise were less than typical. Um, it, it, That, again, isn't necessarily... I mean, you've got a damn great horn. Perhaps people ignore that. Um, When I was an instructor uh, on occasions uh, and I was doing instructing, fast jet instructing, so that the guys that I took had already done like 120 hours on jets. We were just taking them up another stage. Um, Occasionally, uh, they'd put the gear down and from the back cockpit, I'd immediately put it straight back up again. And we'd fly the circuit... Uh, with the gear up, and they would call uh, finals three greens without checking, and then they'd be struggling to control the speed round finals. They'd throttle back at idle. <laughs> yeah, and this airplane's racing away, and they're, they're really confused, trying to work out what's happening. Uh, and uh, I've just sat there in the back going, well, I wonder when he's going to realise he hasn't got any gear. So you, you, can, you, you get confused and distracted by why the airplane isn't performing mm. properly, and you don't go through that little mental thing. Oh, I haven't got the gear down because you
3: believe you've put it down. I've experienced this a, a few times in my career. Uh, you're, you're flying down a glide slope and it's one of those things where you keep pulling the power back and you're going, this feels like it's back to, and you immediately, or I do, most of us do look and make sure <laughs> is the gear down. Yes. Yeah. The gear is down. Yeah what's going on here yeah. sometimes you kind of shift into like a big tailwind or something like that and uh, the, that has the same effect but it's it's funny or or sometimes when you're you're flaring and you're thinking I should be touching down now but we're not and then you know just quickly glance over to make sure the gear is down and uh every <laughs> single time it has been for me knock on wood <laughs> hopefully I can continue yeah. that for the next two years and one month not long to go nope not that I'm oh, counting.
4: <laughs> no one's counting. You have the app that Nick used to have?
3: I do. I just, on, um, your, on
4: your phone screen? Yeah, like
3: I your should see if I can so find it. What, what's the name of that thing? <laughs> oh, something Reminder. Reminder. Uh, Let's see. If I can, Reminder okay, six. Reminder. And um, okay. Um, here we go. Oh, 765, oh, days.
6: 765 days. Oh, 765 days. days. Wow, yeah. that's good. That's well below. I mean, I started well above a thousand days.
3: Yeah, so counting down. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Good job,
5: Harris. Harris is actually Harris, uh,
3: how would you feel about having something like Alexa listen to the checklist and let you know if you skipped anything and remind you about your groceries? <laughs> uh, no, I don't want Alexa in my airplane. Hey,
4: Captain Jeff, yes. you didn't put your gear down. Also. Buy milk
3: on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> and here's a reminder of where you parked your car. Yes. <laughs> she's oh so helpful.
4: Yes, and creepy.
3: Although I really could have used that on my last trip. I'm not used to parking in the um, in the employee parking lot, and um, and it's a very it's a very rare thing when that happens. And uh, I, I got back from my trip and I've this is like the third trip in a row. So I, I've been doing a lot of flying with very little time off in the last week and a half. And I got out and <laughs> I thought I remembered where I'd parked my car, but I, I didn't. And I, I walked around that parking lot probably for forty-five minutes trying to find my car. <laughs> I thought. Why
4: well, didn't you just press the panic button? Don't you have a panic button? On I your, did, but it uh, was—I guess it was
3: too far away to oh, no. uh, for it to activate. Actually, I didn't. Activated. I didn't do the panic button. I did the like thing to lock and unlock it. Like, it makes beep, a little beep. sound, but maybe if I'd done the panic button, it would have worked better.
6: I, I used to put a flag on my aerial Seriously? on the car. Yeah, cool.
3: Because it was a big parking lot. I think that if I thought about it, isn't there a way like with Google Maps and stuff like that, you can hit a button that says this is where I parked Apple Maps
4: actually is supposed to automatically update where you parked your Uh, car.
3: Well, I don't know. Maybe I should switch to Apple Maps. I've been using Google Maps for the longest time. (sighs) Anyway, I thought this is what it's like. This is how I'm I'm losing my mind, obviously. And uh, (laughs) it's just a matter of time before I don't even know who I am.
4: So. In Hillel's case, um, Alexa will remind him that his subscribe and save item, Lufas, will ship in seven days. Oh,
3: good. It's a always Lufarito. good to have a uh, lovely... <laughs> what do we call those things? Luferritos?
4: Loofarito. yes. Yeah.
3: All right. Enough of this rabbit hole. Let's uh, continue on with the next item. And uh, that would be this one here. Um, okay, there was a fatal... Airplane crash in Alaska in 2019. And I'm, tr- oh, Penn Air. Yeah, it was a, uh, wasn't it a Saab 340? Uh, let me see, yeah, Saab. Yeah. And it was flight uh, 3296. And they were uh, operating under contract with Alaska Air into Dutch Harbors Unalaska Airport. They're so un-Alaska there. Uh, Is in it the Un-Alaska Aleutian or Islands. Un-Alaska? It's Unalaska. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, but I was just having a little fun with it. Un-Alaska. On Alaska. Uh, on October's. Anti-Alaska. That's so Unalaska really though. So that's why they call it Un- Unalaska. Uh, on October 17, 2019, after touching down with a strong tailwind, the Saab 2000 turboprop plane slid off the runway and airport grounds, coming to rest on a rock berm protecting the airport from an adjacent harbor. The impact tore a propeller blade loose, and it sliced into the side of the plane, killing a 38-year-old man in his seat. A second passenger was seriously injured. Um, So we talked about this whole incident uh, shortly after it happened. It looks like um, scrolling around here to find, uh, is this a final report, Liz, uh, that we're looking at Uh on this?
5: was just like a summary. I guess it came from the final report,
3: but it's okay. a summary. It's a summary from the final report, Liz thinks. Um, uh, so here we go. The U.S. National Transportation Safety Board on Tuesday concluded the problem with the brakes was the primary reason the plane skidded off the runway two years ago. Uh, but investigators also raised numerous questions about the troubling series of events leading to the death of one passenger and serious injury uh, when the propeller broke off and pierced the fuselage. Uh, safety investigators said the pilot's decision to land in prohibited winds was intentional, uh, faulted the airline's lack of internal safety systems, and called the U.S. Federal Aviation Administration's oversight of the now defunct airline inadequate. So um, anyway, so there you go. Uh, yeah, there were several things going on there, as, as Steph mentioned, uh, in addition to the issue with the brakes. Uh, but you know, just the, starting um- off, Yes.
6: As an outsider from not from America, um, the NTSB not is not shy. Not a <laughs> <laughs> Yahoo! Uh, the NTSB is not shy about criticizing the FAA. Are no,
3: they, they never no, have been. They <laughs> yeah, they're always bunny
6: heads.
7: And, yes, I know, and I think
6: it's I think it's good because it obviously keeps uh, you know the organizations on their toes. I think it's excellent. But,
3: it does, yeah. except that um, the problem is <laughs> it's frustrating for the NTSB because they don't have any authority, um, uh, regulation, regulatory authority to establish uh, rules and regulations as the FAA does, and so they all all they can do is make recommendations or you know spank the FAA for not doing their job properly. Um, And the FAA could go, you know, you make a good point. We're going to go ahead and change that, which they have done. Uh, And there are uh, other times, it seems like most more times than not that they say, you know, well, thanks, you know, "Eh, but we're, yeah, I don't think, we don't think it's that big, big of a deal. We're not going to do anything. So interesting. Isn't it? Yeah. All right. Yeah. And, you know, notums and a insert sound clip here. That's what NoDams are. They're just a bunch of garbage. Are <laughs> yes. a bunch of garbage. All right.
6: They certainly
3: are. Um, oh, you know there was some of them. Are... Wasn't there some news? Uh, Didn't what, they did they just you say change the
4: name of NoDams?
3: Yes, it's. Yeah, we do have that. To, yeah.
4: to air, uh, we do have that. Okay. Yeah, I'll we hold do hold
3: have up. that in our um, in our okay, feedback. Good. Yes. And
4: yes. We're um, Just foreshadowing, but more I, NoDams. I maybe. thought
3: there was something that I was reading recently, and uh, Liz, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you're the one that that mentioned it was, uh, uh Zumalt, um, yes, s- was honored he, he, with something. He
5: was, he, he was, he was showing his retirement honors and he's going to teach at Embry Riddle starting oh. in
3: January. Okay. He was showing his retirement honors and that he is going to be teaching at Embry Riddle Aeronautical University in what? February.
5: Starting in January. Yeah,
3: starting I mean, in January. You
6: know what his sub, saying. you know what his subject is?
3: Safety. No Tams. No, no No, tams. No tams, really. (laughs) It's no tams. (laughs) It's a broad, broad field. I'm not going to (laughs) fall for that one. Very
2: specialty.
3: Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Okay. Um, Enough of that one. Um, This is a sad one. This is a sad one, Liz. Uh, E pilot turned up to fly 177 people from Scotland to the U.S. after Downing whiskeys. This is from the Daily Record. And oh, it wasn't
4: just a daily record for number of whiskeys dropped
3: so. down? <laughs> it may have been a daily record.
4: I, mis- I misread that.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, I could see that, though. Um, an airline pilot has been jailed after he failed a breath- breathalyzer test before he was due to fly 177 people to the United States. Glendon Gulliver had spent the previous night drinking whiskey before he reported for duty at Glasgow Airport. The 63-year-old—I'm almost 63 myself— was scheduled to take the controls of a United Airlines Boeing 757 flight to Newark, New Jersey. But the Gulf War veteran was intercepted and asked to take a breath test after a concerned member of the public contacted the airport. Gulliver of Denver, Colorado, uh, was found to be more than four times over the legal limit. Now, I think they're probably talking about the scott i think the scottish um legal limit for intoxication is a lot lower but i mean that doesn't excuse you know it if it was anything over that's no good but
4: um he still held to his airline standards which is probably zero zero
3: yeah that's true good point point. Uh, yeah who are i'm you, stuff I, I, I'm stuffed. I i'm pretty
6: sure that nice this was cheap. back back where before the um breath and alcohol limit came to zero for all um, transport personnel. So there would have been a, it was about half the legal limit for driving before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now it's zero. So I'm pretty okay. certain it would have, you can't have four, four times over zero, can you? So it would have been mm-hmm. uh, uh, twice the, probably the driving limit, I would guess. Yeah. Not that's actually what I'm certain about that. Yeah. yeah. Still, that's a but, lot. <laughs> yeah, still significantly. Well, considering um, you probably impaired. stopped
3: drinking quite a while ago. Yeah
4: so
5: yeah i think that uh, i don't
4: i mean i don't know i would never operate certainly an aircraft and not other vehicles um but i know it's changed here in the u.s a little bit too um not only for driving um, but perhaps in other arenas so some states are down to zero point uh or 0.04 instead of just the usual 0.08 um i think utah is and i think that was what it was for the faa uh, mm-hmm. for private pilots but man i would
3: no, no alcohol. Flying—that's not a good thing. No. no. Um, so this happened in August of 2019, and just yesterday—well, yesterday, whenever this was uh, published—for uh, he was uh, jailed for ten months at Paisley Sheriff Court. Um, and uh, let's. Uh,
5: yesterday was the fifteenth of November. The
3: fifteenth of March November, I guess, is when uh, it, this happened yep. then. Anyway, uh, so this happened in August, and it was on a layover in Glasgow, uh, drinking whiskey in a pub. Glasgow. Uh, Glasgow. I'm sorry. I don't know why I always have trouble with that. Uh, The sheriff was told that he uh, wasn't used to drinking the spirit and ended up so drunk that he (laughs) fell over outside when he left the bar at around 9 p.m. And I'm thinking, oh, I kind of feel sorry for him. Uh, The ex-U.S. Navy fighter pilot, I was just flying with a – well, I still am flying with a U.S. Navy fighter pilot – and uh, I was—we were talking about this, and I said, "Ah, yeah, here's a problem." U.S. Navy fighter pilot, uh, f uh, 18 guy, too, um, was yeah. due to fly 166 passengers and 11 crew members to New Jersey, New Jersey, uh, the following morning at 9:05. Okay, wait a minute. Nine o'clock, he fell over. Outside the pub, and he wasn't even supposed to be leaving until nine o'clock the next morning. Hmm. However, airport staff were alerted times. to the former lieutenant commander's condition when a member of the public contacted them on Twitter. They said, Hi, uh, a United Airlines pilot just walked out of a pub in Glasgow and fell over drunk about 2100. I wonder how he knew or this person knew that he was a United Airlines pilot. Oh, you I don't know, know how he knew. Yeah, how do they know? Have how you ever they...
4: met a pilot? There you go. You know? know a pilot.
3: <laughs> because he told everybody.
4: And he was probably at the bar going, I'm a pilot. I'm a pilot. <laughs> I
3: fly for United. I fly a big airplane. And
4: I'm going to fly to New Jersey tomorrow. Yeah. And someone went.
3: Whoa. And then, you know, I usually say a different airline if somebody asks me who I'm flying for. <laughs> if I'm in yeah. a bar. I fly for uh, United is what I usually say, too. Anyway, Um. Let's see. He had uh, pleaded guilty to attempting to perform an aviation function. Well, I try to perform aviation functions every week. Well, more than four times a limit in breach of Section 93-1 of the Railways and Transport Safety Act of 2003. Anyway, uh, let's see. The flight crew was to be crewed by... Or the flight was... Eh, it doesn't matter. Um... Let's see. He failed the breath test. But here I'm trying to find that part that I thought, oh, wait a minute, this guy was a recovering al- alcoholic. this is uh, so
4: I wasn't entirely sure on the timeline of this. I wasn't like, either. did that stuff happen after he had this incident? I don't know. No, I read it a couple times, and I wasn't
3: sure.
6: Well, I read somewhere he had been to twelve hundred yeah.
3: meetings. Yeah, uh, Alcoholics so Anonymous. Since he was
4: arrested, though, it was since he was oh, arrested. Oh,
3: okay. Well, how do you do that now? Okay, he was arrested. This happened in August of 2019. It's 2021. It's past, So it's what, 25, 26 months later? How do you go how to 12 hundred? Alcoholics Anonymous.
5: You well, went several
3: times a day. A day? <laughs> Wait a minute. Really? Every no, day? time, every time, I, every
5: time no. he felt like drinking, yeah. I guess.
3: <laughs> I think that's an error. I, I don't think that's think that so can
5: too.
3: possibly be right. I think they usually get together like, well, maybe they get together every night. I don't know.
5: You can, you can go as many times as you want. Oh, if you yeah. can find a meeting, you can
3: go. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm still not convinced about that. Anyway, he uh, had undergone a 60-day rehabilitation at the Cumberland Heights Treatment Center in Nashville. Again, I'm not sure what the uh, timeline is regarding that, but... Anyway, the bottom line is, uh, you know, this is not good. You're not supposed to do that. He's uh, giving all of us a bad name, you know, and... He's blown a good career. He's blown a good career, that's for sure. But I guess he's getting close to the end of it anyway. Probably not the way he uh, envisioned ending it. No,
6: definitely not. Always very sad when this happens, Mm. very sad. But we all understand uh, how responsible our job is, and there's absolutely no excuse
5: (laughs) tim van ram has a good no and you have to be you know if
4: this you know (laughs) suppose you find yourself in this situation hypothetically theoretically whatever or in actuality if you wake up that morning and you're scheduled to fly you have to call in sick like you cannot go and do this you know you can't say "Mm, well i drank last night but it's been eight hours so i'm probably Mm -hmm. fine um depends on how much you had to drink depends on you know no, if you were um, sorry my, my bill arrived speaking of, of drinking my, bill arrived my beverages
3: <laughs> well, you, hurry up steph you got a flight in an hour <laughs> i
4: know no, I, it's worse i gotta run a race <laughs>
3: oh. well i'm not sure that's worse. worse but uh, it's not good uh,
4: in in the dark on trails it's probably oh, worse yeah yeah
3: at least you're not uh, well no, you might be endangering other people's lives too but the,
4: i think a lot of people get into this um you know they've been told these things like okay you know you have eight hours from the time you're due to fly that that's when you need to stop drinking count backwards eight hours um, but it depends on what you're drinking it depends on your body's metabolism of alcohol um, and a lot of other factors so you know are you dehydrated are you well are you you know do you have some other cold symptoms going on or something random that might prevent you from being completely sober when those eight hours are up and i don't know that i know a lot of people who could could say that they've never had a night of you know um perhaps imbibing just a little more than they planned where they didn't wake up the next day more than eight hours later and still feel probably unfit to do whatever it is they were meant to be doing that day Uh so um yes please just make smart choices about what you're going to uh, be doing job wise and drinking wise and absolutely
6: i mean i i feel sorry for him being subjected to this awful scottish whiskey it's not like you have whiskey in
3: america is it no (laughs) I think we should finish with tim tim van ram makes a good point here alcoholics go to meetings we just listen to podcasts yes (laughs) this is our aa meeting well aviation avgeeks anonymous there you go. There we go. There's a show title. All right. Um, somebody remember that because I'll forget. I got it. All right. I'm putting it on, Liz. Um, let's see. It. Let's continue. She said uh, she has it. Thank you. Uh, Hong Kong quarantines 130 pilots, stoking supply chain fears. This is from Al Jazeera. Uh, Hong Kong, China. Hong Kong has forced 130 Cathay Pacific pilots to undergo 21 days of quarantine, raising fears the aviation hub's zero COVID policy could aggravate a global supply crisis caused by the pandemic. Hong Kong Chief Executive Carrie Lam made the announcement on Tuesday after three pilots slipped through strict COVID testing protocols as darn pilots, and tested positive upon re-entering the International Financial Center. All aviation personnel who stayed at a hotel in Frankfurt, Germany, where the three pilots spent their layover, would have to undergo 21 days of mandatory quarantine. Authorities sent 130 cargo and passenger pilots, along with cabin crew, to a government-run quarantine facility in the semi-autonomous Chinese territory, which imports more than 90% of its food. If there are one or two more cases like this, we might lose all our cargo pilots, Lamb said in a press briefing, admitting the move would have a significant impact on the city's supply chains. Uh, the decision appears rather extreme, said uh, Shukor yusuf founder of aviation consultancy firm Endow Analytics. Apart from the inconvenience for the pilots, it will likely also incur additional costs to the airline at a time when its financials are under stress and weaken Hong Kong's position as an air hub. And uh, yeah, the says so this is just on the latest blow to Cathay Pacific, which is reeling from the impact of the pandemic and mass pro-democracy and anti-government protests in twenty nineteen. Once the pride of Hong Kong the company has laid off nearly 6,000 staff members and axed a regional airline in October, in October of last year. The airline reported 7.6 billion Hong Kong dollar loss in the first half of the year. Yikes, I don't know what that, oh, it's 97.6 uh, US million. Hmm. It's not good.
5: Still
4: quite a lot of money.
6: Yeah. No, it's not, but uh, it's interesting what some people seem to think because they've got a comment further on, says Tommy Wu, lead economist of Oxford Economics in Hong Kong, predicted the impact of the disruption would be limited. The overall impact on the airline's operators won't be severe given that it may be able to call back some of the staff that are currently on unpaid leave if necessary. Does he have any idea how long it takes to retrain and bring up to speed pilots who have been forced to go on unpaid leave and have uh, lost their currency um you know it just no you can't you can't just do that you've got limited simulators limited numbers of trainers and they're probably some of the guys who've been uh, quarantined you just can't pull um pilots out of a hat like you would a white
3: rabbit exactly yeah i, I think uh, you're right no, and I, yeah. I think
4: they're gonna have to um, rethink some of their policies here for the sake of you know uh, I can understand their their point, I can understand their fears, I can understand their concerns without getting into all those specifics and details, but at some point you have to be able to transport and move goods and people, and that's just the way our modern society and economies work.
6: Yeah, and a quarantine of twenty-one days it seems pretty excessive. Mm-hmm. It's
4: excessive. I don't know any other country or place that's doing twenty-one
5: days.
6: No, M- much longer than is required to establish that you have
3: uh, the an infection or not. Mm-hmm. So I'm just a bit confused about that. It almost seems like they're trying to tank the system. You know?
7: Yeah. Why?
3: Well,
6: funny you should say they're that. Allied. It just seems a very odd bias, mm-hmm. doesn't it?
3: Very odd. Well, let's end the news segment with some uh, some positive news.
5: Somebody sent this in named Jeff.
3: Somebody uh, named Jeff sent this little news item in. Uh, I, I saw this on I AvWeb. a pretty lady flying. Yeah, exactly. That might have been something that caught my eye. I don't know. Uh, An avweb.com um, article uh, talks about uh, this go a young interview. lady. Uh, lady uh, is it? Genesaw or Genesaw? I'm not sure. G e n e s a h. I've never seen that name before. Uh, Duffy.
4: Genessa. Genessa. Or Genessa.
3: Okay, that that sounds good. Genessa. Yeah. Yeah, Sure. Uh, She's the chief pilot and senior director of flight operations for Icon Aircraft. And if you're single, give me a call. Uh, Just kidding. (laughs) Um, uh, For uh, took off for a return to service shakedown flight in one of the company's A5 amphibians. Shake you down, baby. Liz, stop it. She was expecting it to turn into an air-sea rescue mission. With the little two-place seaplane just out of a 100-hour inspection, Duffy took off from the company's owner trainings and sales center at Peter O'Knight Airport in uh, Tampa, Florida on Monday morning, November 15th. She heard a Mooney pilot announce on the Unicom frequency that he was inbound for the airport. Uh, She said it didn't sound uh, like anything was wrong. Uh, There was no distress call. Uh, but after she completed a water landing for a routine bilge pump check, you know,
6: as you did. Oh, how lovely. Yeah. I love a good bilge pump check. Me too.
3: I, I, the more routine, the better, I think. Uh, let's this see. is your yeah. kind of girl. It is. It really I'm is. not even look. sure I
4: know what to say about that.
3: <laughs> anyway, uh, she was a few miles south of the airport out on the water. She picked up a radio call from an, another aircraft. Uh, she said, usually I can't get reception from the surface, but I heard someone on the frequency saying that the Mooney had gone into the water. So she took off, flew toward where she estimated the aircraft might be. The water is pretty shallow there, and I could see the outline of the airplane, completely submerged. The Mooney was later reported to be on a flight from Lakeland-Linder International Airport when it developed an engine problem. Flying at around 200 feet, Duffy announced her position on the radio and said that she could see one person in a yellow life jacket. Before landing, she made one circle of the area to assure herself she wouldn't hit anyone in the water. She said the winds were gusting at about uh, 15 knots, and the surface looked choppy, but when she touched down, it wasn't as bad as it looked, and she was able to taxi over to where the aircraft had sunk. That was when she saw another man without a life jacket struggling in the water. Even though the occupant in the life jacket was drifting from the sight, she focused on the man without the flotation device, who turned out to be the pilot owner of the Mooney. I taxied over, and he grabbed the tail. Uh, of the aircraft. And even though he was already tiring, he pulled himself along the left side of the airplane. Duffy helped him put on one of the life jackets on board the uh, A5 and pulled the inflation handle. Uh, they maneuvered him around to the passenger side and got him into the airplane. This was a. Uh, this was. Dot, dot, dot. A full grown man. I, I'm wondering if I they. I feel
4: like she was being polite.
3: Oh, it was like. This was um, hmm, a full grown this... man. She said
4: normal size, big, fat guy, human. Yeah, big, <laughs> large male. And, you know, we have the picture of her. Now. She doesn't look like an overly, no. like, you know, bodybuilder, female type. She's just kind of average, right. Average built female. She said so helping him been a lot of work for her to, to pull him in. Yeah. Right.
3: Helping him in took some effort. She says, uh, he told her he had owned the Mooney for several years and said his engine was overheating and he was trying to land at, uh, KTPF, but it must have quit on the approach. Meanwhile, a Tampa police rescue boat had arrived, so Duffy pointed in the direction of the passenger who was drifting away. She followed the police and transferred uh, the pilot to the boat after the second man was picked up. Duffy said the configuration of the Icon A5 actually made the rescue relatively easy, with the fatigued pilot able to climb aboard using the stub C-wings on the hull as a platform. A Navy veteran who served as a communications tech on Guam working on submarines, Duffy took a Discovery flight after her 2012 discharge and realized that aviation was a career she was looking for. She has an associate's degree in flight technology and is about 75% on her way to a bachelor's in aerospace management. She holds commercial ratings in land with multi and seaplanes, as well as helicopters. She also has her instructor rating, and 950 of the 1,850 hours total time in her logbook are in the icon A5. And no,
6: well, I wouldn't hold your breath, Jeff. I think she's the one very smart lady.
3: <laughs> Thanks, Nick.
2: <laughs>
3: oh, that was a put. Burn, burn. Uh, that's right. I'm used to it. And no, she does not consider herself any kind of hero. She said, "I'm just glad I was in the right place at the right time." And no, she is not considering any romantic um, <laughs> involvement. involvement with anybody who yeah. do podcasts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, anyway, so I thought that was pretty cool, uh, and I love there the uh, the uh, Icon A5 is a really really cool airplane. So excellent. Happy happy ending. Happy story.
4: Yes. Yeah. Great story.
3: All right. Well. With that, then, I, yes, ma'am?
4: I was going to say, great story. Maybe not for the uh, owner of the Mooney, but... Oh, also yeah, all that's that true. Well ...with personal life and intact and...
3: True.
6: Still alive. Yeah. Pe- perhaps he was just trying to fly a bit lower and cool his engine off. Was that...?
4: It was overheating.
6: What the Mooney pilot was doing, yeah.
4: Any land thing
3: you can try, I'll try to water cool the engine a bit. Yeah. What'd you say, Liz? Any uh, landing you can, swim, land away you can with, swim, swim away with, swim away from, it's a good, it's a good landing. landing. <laughs> hey, another show title possibility. <laughs> okay, um, let's uh, move on to this segment, getting to know us. You know that segment I used used to sing stuff, but Steph kept getting upset with me because I wasn't using the right.
6: <laughs> now you embarrassed to? It's true. Yeah.
3: So. I'm just not going to sing anymore, because I want Steph to be happy. Oh, that's I really do. Happy, happy,
6: joy, joy. I
4: appreciate
3: that. Yeah. Uh, so, speaking of a happy Steph, uh, what makes you happy, Steph? Like hanging around in undisclosed locations drinking beer before you go run?
4: Hanging around with you guys
3: in yeah. undisclosed locations <laughs> <with you>. uh-huh. <laughs> drinking my
4: beer makes me happy. <laughs> yeah. So, about me. Um, last week, I was not able to be on the show, because Monday, I was on my way back from New York City. Um, We had planned to do the show on Thursday, but then I ended up having a um, friend in town in Asheville that it was important for me to meet up with because I had not been there or been to see him in quite a while. Um, So I I ended up doing that and you guys ended up recording on Tuesday while I was still at work. And then Wednesday I had a work meeting and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday I was out of town again for some family um, obligations. And then, so that really that means that I have not flown for the past two weekends, so I haven't done any flying. And I already told you about on our way back from, uh, uh, from being out of town to visit with family on Sunday, had that go around, that was the only vaguely interesting thing aviation related in my life in the past two weeks. <laughs> um, really not all that interesting and yeah that's that's about it to be honest i don't have any i don't have a lot of stuff going on hopefully i'll be flying a lot this weekend although the weather is trying to be not super great um it's been beautiful all week of course Mm -hmm. like 70 and sunny yesterday today 60 and sunny tomorrow and sunday like colder overcast maybe some cold gross rain november stuff uh but we'll see how it goes looking forward to it ready to get back into the air and fly some
6: Sounds good. You know, nowadays we get the news from Radio Rocha and the weather from Steph, the
3: weather girl.
4: Well, only if only if you're local to me. If you're not local, it's <laughs> it's not really going to be useful for you. I would not not use that as your local weather. Report.
3: But maybe because <laughs> Steph has always wanted to be a, a, a weather a weather person, weather gal. <laughs> I Should I just
4: do. do a weather segment? Now? Yeah.
3: So we'll just we'll yeah. <laughs> incorporate a new weather segment. You can cover the uh, world's weather. There we go. Sounds good. No. Happy so we're that. going four hours no. now. <laughs> yeah, we're. Liz says, only okay, we're going four know, hours now.
4: Only if I can figure out how to pronounce the name of that town in Wales that's like 400 letters. Oh, gosh. am
6: like remember, the one in the Fab PG. Yeah, quite right. Climb Fab
4: PG, that place. Huh. <laughs> but, All right. Yeah, sorry, that's, that's kind of disappointing, but I don't know what you're talking about. Well, no, it's not. It was a. It was a really busy week, and I mentioned I was kind of stressed about it, which is not mm-hmm. typical of me, but it was a lot of, uh, just a lot of. Uh-oh.
3: Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, well, she's if gone. you can hear me, Steph, we are very pleased that you could make it for at least some of the show. Um, sounds like you might have to leave us a- at some point um, before we end it. And perhaps that point is right now.
2: <laughs> yeah.
5: Sounding.
6: Yeah. Right. Like so. Oh well.
3: Oh, wait. I hear something oh, now. Someone flushed the toilet. Oh,
5: yeah, exactly. That sounded like a flush.
3: <laughs> nah. anyway. No. Anyway. yeah Well, Steph, hang in there. Uh, maybe everything will improve, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and move on to. Not have a good race. Uh, pardon me.
5: I said, if, if she doesn't come back, have a good race.
3: Yeah. Have a good race. Thank you, uh, Liz. Yeah. We uh, we hope that you have a great uh, race at the. Undisclosed location, and uh, you'll have to tell us about it. Uh, oh, I hear I, you I'm
6: interested mean to, to know whether she um, runs faster after a couple of beers or slower. Or doesn't care. I don't Yeah, she doesn't care. Exactly. <laughs> after a couple of beers, that's for sure. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, Nick, how
3: have you been, sir? Yes, sir. Uh,
6: I have been okay. Busy chap, as always. Um, we went across to... Uh, our venue at Farnborough, uh, the 500th uh, venue, which is the museum that we've very kindly been offered uh, to us to use. Um, and uh, had a trial run. So we set everything up and uh, and we got all four cameras working and uh, all four mics working. So I think yep. uh, we're... Who's Hello? we? Thunderbirds are go for uh, the 3rd of December. Um and um, we oh there she's, she's made it back. Well done. Hey there. Oh, you look clear.
4: Uh, hi. Hi.
6: Do I? Hi. Cause yeah. you sound we lost you for, for you. a while.
4: No, oh. I know. I um I quit that hotspot and joined a different one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I think this oh. one is worse.
2: No. Oh, okay.
3: No. It looks- All right. I don't know. Eh, let try the out. Other one, one more time. Yeah. I'll be back. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, you were saying. So anyway. Um, who's this we who's we, had who's had a, this we were talking about here? The royalty? Uh,
6: the fine, Mr. Neville Bounds. Oh, um, I've heard of that Organized, uh, was doing a lot of the technical, almost all the technical work. I was just helping out where I could. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, of course, uh, the red the help of Phil Catling and the staff of the the FAST uh, Aviation Museum, Mm -hmm. which was great. And um, while we were there, we had a word with Graham, who who is the curator of the museum, uh, as a little teaser for those uh, from the UK who are able to attend. Uh, And while I'm on that subject... Um, we've only got about five golden tickets left, uh, so we've nearly filled up almost the, um, the, the room where we're holding uh, the, five, on, Atlanta, the UK people. end of the 500th show. So if you were thinking about putting an email in, you're going to have to hurry and fight for one of the last five slots. But uh, if it's okay with you, uh, uh, Jeff, I'll play this little uh, video teaser. Sounds good. Okay. Hi, everybody. We're at the FAST Museum. And very kindly, they've allowed us to use a very special room that's inside the museum. Uh, I'm going to introduce to you in a second the chief curator, who is uh, Graham Rude, And uh, he looks after the place and will explain a bit more about the museum, uh, some of the fine exhibits they've got here, and about this particular room.
8: The building we're in today and the office we're in today was originally built in about 1910 when the balloon school and the balloon factory changed and moved to Farnborough. Uh, Here in 1918 when the Royal Air Force was formed from the Royal Flying Corps, the uh, Royal Flying Corps and the Royal Aircraft Factory at the time were working building airplanes for the army for mainly for the Western Front. In in 1912, when the Royal Flying Corps was formed, they'd moved from balloons to dirigibles, then onto airplanes. And the Royal Flying Corps had its headquarters here at Farnborough, and the first five squadrons were formed at Farnborough before they went off to Netheravon and Montrose and started work and then flew across to the Western Front. The office here was the office of... Lord Trenchard, Boom Trenchard, who was the first officer uh, of the uh, Royal Flying Corps. And his job was to make sure that the Royal Flying Corps was fit for purpose. He was a very strong man with strong ideas. And when uh, when the early squadrons moved, they moved up the office up to London, and he moved on from there. But this balloon school here is one of the oldest, from 1910 onwards, is one of the oldest aviation buildings, certainly in this country, and I suspect in the world now. When RAE, the Royal Aircraft Establishment, was formed in 1918, it ran right through to 1992 when it was changed and shut down. And one of the things, of course, all scientists and engineers kept were all their records. So all these records were slowly being thrown away and we formed a trust, the Farnborough Air Sciences Trust, initially as a building uh, preservation, saving the two large wind tunnels, the 24 foot and the transonic, and then again, the 1917 building, which was the very first uh, wind tunnel building. Uh, Having saved the uh, buildings, we then moved on to saving the records of the RAE. Luckily, RAE Library kept a superb historical uh, list of, and books, uh, photographs, ev- almost everything. And we inherited a lot of those, some by subterfuge and some by actually asking if we could give them. All those records are now here, or the majority are still here at Farnborough so we have an enormous archive photographic archive film archive reports archive bound volumes archive going right back to 1909 and we also have the naca early work from 1910 onwards so there is a superb record we also have a museum which we put up as public access to the artifacts and the records so people can come to the museum the media, researchers come and can look through our records. And in the museum, we have a small museum, but we make as much as we can of the displays and spread it from the very early World War I right through to the close of the Cold War. And that still goes on. Uh, Artifacts still come in, and we still get a large number of reports. So slowly, we're building up our database to as, as large as we can, particularly ring-fenced, really, for the Royal Aircraft Establishment Records. And that includes other REEs like Bedford, Aberporth, uh, Westfrew, all the testing stations that were used. And also, we're looking after some, be- some Boscombe Down work as well. So, here today, you're sitting on top of an enormous archive of, of world importance.
6: Well, I I was so grateful uh, to Graham uh, and the staff at uh, the Fast Museum uh, because, I mean, they're basically uh, allowing us to use this wonderfully historic room um, uh, for, you know, next to nothing. So uh, really appreciate their help. And, uh, of course, um, we'd like to... Uh, make it known to the world this fantastic aviation resource, particularly for those who are interested in uh, research. Um, the records they have there just are remarkable and they're still working very, very hard to try uh, and, you know, get them all registered. And, um, you know, they, they've got huge containers, um, about 26 enormous containers me, full of records that they haven't yet been able to tackle yet because a lot of these organisations just don't want to keep them anymore and rather than have them destroyed they're going down to Farnborough um, and uh, there's this uh, small handful of volunteers who are working very hard to try and preserve them. It's a fantastic place. And if you do get a chance to come uh, to be part of the 500th or at any other time, because they're open weekends um, uh, throughout the year, uh, then um, please go and pay them a visit. They're a great bunch of people, fantastic level of knowledge, full of scientists and people with really amazing uh, skill and, uh, backgrounds in aviation. Uh, you know, it's, it's one, wonder- it's, it's great fun talking to them, uh, for a start, but it's
3: going to be good. Yeah. And we have something just like that, uh, at the, U uh, S venue, except mm-hmm. n- <laughs> nothing,
4: except <laughs> lots nothing of, like lots that. of old relics.
3: Yeah. And the old <laughs> relics that you'll see are people like me <laughs>
5: and me yeah.
3: and Liz. She said that I didn't, I did say that. Okay. Well, excellent. Um, well, that sounds good. I can't wait. Uh, it's only going to be, what, a week from two, two weeks, weeks, two weeks from today, I think. Yeah, it is. So uh, we'll, one, we'll one more show, and then it's it. Yeah,
5: we'll be drinking.
3: Yeah, Liz said we'll be drinking we work, by now. We out
5: the- <laughs> well,
3: yeah. Way ahead so, of you there, Liz. Yeah, yeah exactly. What right. were you going to say, uh, Steph, as you're gulping your beer?
4: I was going to say, I guess we did all right with the uh, timing of the episodes. 498, 499, oh, 500. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. Weren't we worried it was going to be a little tricky?
3: Uh, I don't know. I think we I think we had a pretty good grasp on when it probably would occur. And I, I think, yeah. And it, they it could always well.
6: be a 499 and a half.
3: Yeah. yeah was, we always I was thinking we were going to
4: have to budget a little bit like that. 499 <laughs> and a quarter, 499 and a half, yeah, 499 and five eighths.
3: We're really... More than 500, but hey, you know, officially. Yes, exactly. exactly. Yeah. it's good. Um, that's just a number, right? Yeah, no big deal.
1: It's a H. good
3: number. Yeah, it's a good number. Half a million. Um, and by the What's way, uh, I overheard. Uh,
4: Don't um, worry about your math, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. Half a million?
3: Um, oh. Yeah, okay, that's not quite right. Half a thousand. <laughs> Okay, I, I tend to exaggerate a bit. Um That's fine. uh in so in so many ways. Hear? Um
5: you you
3: But I can say that the last time I checked anyway that uh our show um over the length of the show since uh, I started pod- podcasting, podcast thing um I was doing the pod uh, um in uh 2009 uh a, a lady uh <laughs> This is an aside, (laughs) a rabbit hole, uh, a squirrel um, uh, sent me an email. Um, I I meant to mention this to you, Liz. I don't know if you guys got it or not. Uh, Wanting to uh, advertise something, some kind of an app on our on our show. And she said, I, I, "I'm interested in advertising on your pod." Went, no, just because you <laughs> You've said never listened "pod," to it. forget it. Clearly. Yes, you
6: definitely can't. Yes, Not if you don't know, it's a podcast. Anyway. Oh, by the way, the word yeah. you were looking for was "millennium." Millennium. That's is it. A thousand. That's
3: exactly what I meant. There I just slipped. Thank was you.
6: Kind of, I was on the same wavelength, but...
3: Okay, okay. Anyway, I, what... I was confused. The point I was going to try to make, but I'm not doing a very good job of it, is that since 2009, <laughs> since Catholic Pilot started, I've been using the same uh, company to host our uh, files. And um, we're over 8 million downloads uh, total wow. uh, from the span of time. So, yeah, it's not bad, not bad. That is Healthy, not bad respectable. At all. And then she said, uh, by the way, the the lady that called it a pod said, uh, um, it, through my research, I noticed that you're in the top one half of 1% of all podcasts in the world. And I was wondering if you might want to or be interested in doing this. And I was like, ooh, that's kind of cool. So, yeah, we're doing all right. We're doing all right. Cool. Okay. Um, but we don't uh we don't need to boast. We just need to have fun and talk aviation and beer and running and whatever else we can think of nonsense. that we wanna Yeah, <laughs> nonsense. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh oh Gubby says that's half a bajillion. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. Sir. All right. Yeah, it um, certainly is. So speaking of Gubby, i just thank you for the great nice um segue. segue there, Gubby. Uh, I was, as I said, I've been flying a lot, uh, lately. I flew a trip, uh, earlier in the week was off a day. And then I went back out again on Wednesday, uh, through, well, I'm still on that trip (laughs) Wednesday. I'm day three right now, Friday of uh, four, just one leg back from Houston tomorrow. I'm in Houston right now, but on the first day of the trip, I was in Montreal, Canada, been quite a number of years since I've been there. I'm not sure exactly how long ago it was, but we were having a discussion about that. Who's we? Well, it were it was it we 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 a we, oh, we we, yeah. Uh, were uh, all the folks that uh, showed up for a in, an impromptu somewhat no, I'm getting the, I'm getting um, that overlay. feedback and okay, uh, Liz is it. trying to find the overlay we okay we well why don't you pulp that up there and let me play a little bit of audio that I recorded at our meetup ladies and gentlemen boys and girls welcome to the Montreal meetup of the year the only one of the year anyway uh, so I'm here in Montreal uh, on a great layover, and we're at the at the three Bears uh, restaurant. That's the English version. I was hoping that somebody would say the French. F-
6: Les trois brasseurs.
3: Uh-oh. Nope. Lost that one? Nope. I think we got it. Les, it. Got
6: Les it. trois
2: I,
3: brasseurs. My <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, I'm sure that sounded great. I didn't hear it. Uh, But anyway, we're here and we're drinking great beer at the uh, Three Brewers and whatever he said in French. And uh, we are uh, talking smack about aviation and all this stuff. And uh, got to meet some, well, I was going to say something really complimentary, but I really, that would be dishonest. No, anyway, these are great people that I'm meeting here. And I'm going to let each of them... Uh, tell you who they are and uh, a little about a little bit about themselves, and then we're going to pass it on to each of them, and then we're going to come back to me, and then I'm going to throw it back to you all in the studio. So here we go. We're going to start with Dan. Good evening, APG listeners. I'm Dan. I am,
6: uh, well, I'm not a pilot, simply an aviation enthusiast, and uh, happy to meet uh, Captain Jeff, and
3: uh, honestly, I wish Captain uh, Captains Nick and Steph and Rick were, were here to see us as well, but... Uh, Hey, we're having some good beers and uh, enjoying the uh, the cold weather in uh, in uh, northern Canada here. I'd like to wish everybody a, a happy uh, 500th episode uh, when that comes around in the next couple of weeks. Here we go to uh, participant number two.
7: Hi, I'm Gubby, or Captain Gubb. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, in the Royal Canadian Air Force, but an avid listener of uh, APG. Jeff is actually shorter in real life. Shorter? I expected you to be a six foot five i mean you're a very suave sophisticated man but uh yes yeah, so i have driven here from ottawa or ottawa as they call it over there um and loving the show i would add to uh to dan's comments it's a shame the rest of the crew aren't here because i'd love to meet them all um and uh, yeah looking forward to some nice food and some more camaraderie it's a shame i can't drink because i've got to drive um but uh, yeah lovely to meet uh, meet everyone and um widen the circle of my friends Hey everyone this is Alex I'm um, unfortunately not a pilot although there's a handful of hours on a Cessna but uh, hey um, but yeah I'm a simulator engineer uh, and uh, proud avgeek so uh, also proud listener of the uh, airline pilot guys since the early days so it's awesome to meet Jeff and see him in the cold white
3: north and I'm looking forward to the rest of the night and they are not kidding when they say cold. And I guess this is just a little taste of what's to come. Yeah, balmy. Yeah, it was cold to me. And yeah, it didn't help that when I left the hotel, I did not initialize my flight management system. And I ended up uh, starting off at 90 degrees off. And I'm not talking about temperature here. I'm talking about uh, heading and direction. And, uh, yeah, so it took me a bit longer to get here than I was expecting. I was out there for about a half an hour with no gloves or, you know, without a proper uh, coat or whatever. Anyway, so uh, that doesn't matter. I made it, and uh, I'm so glad I did because these people here that you just heard from are awesome people, fantastic people. And uh, several of them, like Alex, has sent in feedback in the past, and Gubby has been trying to... Drum up some interest in a Ottawa layover. Uh, I mean, a meetup, but uh, apparently uh, nobody wants to uh, hang out with uh, Gubby. And, and actually, now, after having spent some time with him, I understand why. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. And uh, I'm not going to ta- tell. Whoa, a little verbal or nonverbal uh, communication he just gave me there. You're number one, huh? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I'm a little taken back and hurt that they mentioned that they wish that. Uh, the other, you know, co-hosts were here. Um, I'm thinking, well, w- what about me? I mean, you know, come, I'm here.
2: You know, I love you, Jeff.
3: yeah, I love thanks. You. Yeah, come on. I'm very vulnerable right now. You know that. So anyway, so yeah, we're having a great time, obviously, and we're waiting for our food to arrive. And I thought it would be a good time to do a quick uh, audio, and I'll try to remember to get a picture as well, so we can show all of this to you all while we record the next episode so that's it from me and now we're going to send it back to the most important people Dr. Steph yes Miami Rick and Captain Nick and Liz of course in the background probably saying some some really rude things in my ear
7: you bet size (laughs) matches
3: All right. Uh, oh, good Liz, I'm just
4: going to say Liz is by far the most important of any of us.
5: So let's right. just set that record straight.
4: That Absolutely.
3: Is, that is true.
5: That's not true,
3: but very nice. Anyway, uh, what a great bunch of go- I mean, every time I have a meetup, uh, meeting the people in, uh, in our community is just so overwhelmingly positive and uh, amazing. Uh, a really Stimulating. You know, stimulating. Wow, mm. um, that was from Liz, and uh, yeah. So, so actually,
4: listening to that, I was really bummed that I was not there with you all.
3: Oh man, it would have been. That would have been. They false. would have been really. Uh, they really, would have been
4: really disappointed with my French skills.
3: Oh, and that's right. You Well, you know what? Maybe stuff. hopefully
4: more at least, in my least
3: at least you would be like making an attempt. I I you <laughs> know I can't say anything in French, and I kind of felt like that stupid American that only can speak English and just barely, right, Nick. Um and uh <laughs> do do? but they were all make
6: a good fist of it. They were all <laughs>
3: saying things to the waiter, you know, in French, and I'm going, okay. Well, I have no idea what you're saying, but uh that's good. Anyway. Uh we had a great time. And uh poutine, poutine was poutine. eaten, that's poutine. for sure. I had a I c- kind of a combo um uh what do you call it? Fish and chips, uh, but the chips were poutine instead. It was perfect. It was good. Anyway. Uh, great to see you all and uh, Steph uh, sounds like uh, you I need gotta, to
4: leave. I'm going to um, yes a brief pause on my side of the thing I okay. said the uh, podcast here I'm going to go run my 5k trail race and hopefully I will rejoin I don't think this particular restaurant will be open when I get back so it might just be I, I'm not sure what's gonna happen I'll have to figure this out it's gonna be tricky but we'll make an attempt and see how it goes might just be voiceless or uh, uh voice yep. you, somebody.
6: Voice use your use your watch <laughs> see if you can which, just make contact with your watch oh boy
4: which one well, i'd,
6: I'd, I'd use them. the apple watch myself yeah. but feel free yeah, to try this what one? The, this one yeah
2: not,
6: not so much.
3: no right. no yeah oh nip right. says your uh dr steph your hair looks good
4: Thank you. I'm about to put it back in a ponytail, so the next time, if you see me on the video on the sec- on the next part of the show, it's probably not going to look as good. Ah. But <laughs>
3: okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, we hope that you can make it back, Steph. And uh, yes, if not, I hope so too. I'm going to
4: make all attempts. I will let you know. if uh, okay. You're praised yeah. of my progress. And we'll so, save right.
3: that feedback uh, that we were talking about. Uh, yes, for you.
4: absolutely. All I right. do want to. All right, See you
3: in a bit. Have, Have a fun. good run. Thank you. Bye. Bye. You
6: know, I'd, for Steph, that's just like a, a walk around the mall for us. I know. <laughs>
3: It's like she, nothing.
6: She'll go off and
3: do 5K. She'll probably be back. drinking she her beer while she's drinking. I mean. Absolutely. Uh, she won't running.
6: even have broken a sweat.
3: Yep. Uh, so, Liz, yes, I do want to talk about the 500th. Um, we, we've been alluding to it uh, a few times here on this show because we're getting awfully darn close. This is episode 498. So we have one more episode before the big five hundred. And, uh, if you're interested in coming to join us, um, on this side of the pond in the United States of America, uh, specifically in Georgia, uh, in, uh, the Atlanta area at the Atlanta international airport at the Renaissance concourse hotel, uh, please do. Uh, we don't, you don't need no stinking tickets here. You know, you can just, uh, show up and, uh, oh, you, you, you'd need a ticket. Walk-ins are welcome. Yeah. Walk-ins, walk-ins are, are welcome. welcome. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> And uh, and we have a little bit more space uh, available to us, um, and so yeah, we hope that if you're listening and uh, you want to join us, so we hope that you'll uh, you'll do that. And, uh, and if Canadians you, can
5: come, Canadians can come. Well, I don't testing. know,
3: Canadians. Yeah, I guess yeah, we'll let them in. Um, oh, is Fred going to come? Um, I think he is. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Um, wow, lots of, of history. Lots of great people are going to be there. So we're going to um, have social time. We're going to have social yeah. time. So our our plan is to start recording at uh, one o'clock, thirteen hundred, and uh, then do that for about three hours, like as we normally do, and then at some point near the end of that, or maybe right after we finish, uh, we're going to have uh, some drinks and some hors d'oeuvres, and uh, then we're going to um, you know just hang out and talk about podcasting and aviation and beer and whatever else, you know, we end up talking about. So uh, if you want to do as uh, Liz and I are doing and others as well, uh, you can book a room at the Renaissance Concourse and we have a link. Um, I, I'm I'm guessing that it's still good. I, I don't know if there was yeah, an extra. It's
5: still there. Yeah, okay. I'm it's still the there.
3: And uh, you can get a special rate. And uh, if you call them, just ask for the... What's the formal uh, name? It's like uh, APG or Airline Pilot Guy Show 500th Episode Celebration or something like that. Uh, so if you if you get any of those words out of your mouth, 500th episode, uh, Airline Pilot Guy, I'm sure they'll be able to find the uh, the special. Just give them the, the code. email
5: address to us, and
3: we can always answer yeah. questions like. And, uh, which email Liz, the uh, feedback, 500 air, 500 okay, at 500 at airlinepilotguy.com. If you have questions about how to do that, 500, 500, 500 at airlinepilotguy.com. And, uh, basically it's just, you know, it's not really that big of a deal. We're just kind of getting together. They're going to be over there in the UK and we're going to be over here in the U S and we're going to kind of, you know, look at various, uh, you know, favorite, uh, little snippets, uh, of, um, uh, the previous memories. episodes, memories, And, um, and have fun. That's basically what we're doing. Not
5: memories, memories,
3: not memories, memories. Thank you, Liz. I hope I didn't mispronounce (laughs) that. Sorry. Um, yeah, anyway, and we could talk about favor. never mind. Um, what else? Anything else I should mention about the uh, 500,000?
5: That's not true.
3: Oh, I'm not looking at what Neil's saying.
5: Neil's saying, just tell them Jeff sent me to get the presidential suite.
3: Yeah. Don't mention my name, Neil. Just a tip for you there. Um, you may not, they might not have any rooms at all. In fact, I need to, uh, that reminds me, I need to get a my room. So, <laughs> you could, <laughs> yeah. so I'm going to, oh, oh we're going to be there or several of us will be there Thursday night and Friday night. Yep. And if you'd like to get a room there, uh, just get a room. We'll have a link get in the room. show notes. And, uh, let's see, last episode, uh, was the title was three little pigs because three little boars or pigs, uh, got, got done run over. Uh, by a, um, a Dornier uh, airplane that kind of looked like a wolf. And so uh, Nick <laughs> took that suggestion and ran with it. And uh, oh, no, I'm looking. Well, it should be in there, I think. Or did I not get that in there? All right. There is that beautiful artwork <laughs> uh, of the... Uh, He's a fine-looking pig, isn't he? It's, yeah, that... And with tire marks on his belly, <laughs> yes, just slightly. <laughs> and very clever, uh, you know the three little pigs um, uh, story the house of and the straw and the house of the straw, yeah, the house bricks. of straw and the house of brick, and uh, yeah, very cool. And then that mean old airplane that looks like a wolf. Uh, in fact, look at the registration on it. Uh, very clever, whiskey Oscar Lima Foxtrot Wolf. And the bent, my favorite part of it is that bent nose gear <laughs> after hitting the pigs and killing which, them. Which,
6: yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I, I must admit killing three pigs with one nose wheel is
3: pretty good going, do That think? is pretty good, actually. Yeah.
6: yeah.
3: He must have had to swerve around the runway to get all three. And Biggle says, remind me, I need HP sauce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well done, Biggle. <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah. So uh, very, very wonderful art- artwork. Uh, you're getting, you're getting better and better at it.
6: Uh, and I'll uh, just oh, say that because every time it means i have got to do.
3: That's right. Even You'll better. have to spend even more time on on subsequent.
6: Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is why I need easy ones.
3: Yeah. Anyway, so uh, we like to talk about uh, the previous cover art, and uh, because that's part of our shtick on this thing. Um. And uh, really fun time. What time? Coffee fun time? Coffee fun. Okay, hang on. Let me see if I can find my sound playing app. Here we go. Aha, uh-huh, I found it. Here we go. Johnny, how much more coffee? No
7: so thanks. Sounds good to me.
3: I love coffee. I love tea. I love the APG community.
2: Coffee and tea. And the java
3: and me. A cup, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup. All right, that's Jeff Smith singing the ABG Java Jive, which means it's our time to talk about the Coffee Fund Cadre, the Coffee Bar Club, your way to support the show financially. And we have a couple of different ways to do that. One is the old OG method, the Coffee Fund Classic method. And since the last episode... Oh, I misspelled your name, Chris. (laughs) Uh, Let me start with Richard Adams, Eric Grovasbach, Jenny Parkinson in Rome, Alex Lehman, uh, Dan Mitchell. Those two gentlemen were uh, at the aforementioned Montreal uh, meetup. And Vris Randall. (laughs) No, it's not Vris Randall. It's Chris Randall. Sorry about that. I did that very very quickly right before the show started. So, anyway, that's the uh, original way to do it, like a one-time donation or even a recurring donation if you'd like. And we also have another way for you to participate in the coffee fund, and that is via the Patreon. You can become a Patreon, no, a patron of the show via Patreon. And these aren't two new producers; they were both regular producers, and they both upped their Pledges, and now they're in the executive producer level.
5: And they're. And they
3: Oh, yeah. They're both coming to the 500th episode celebration, recording and celebration. Uh, Tillman in uh, the UK, and Carrie, uh, who lives in the Charlotte area, is uh, going to be here with us in Atlanta. And his lovely wife. And his lovely wife. Yes. Anyway, can't wait to see you, Carrie, and I'm sure that Tillman uh, will be uh, met with much, um, much, much love in Farnborough. All right. So anyway, if you're interested in uh, supporting us, and by the way, thank you so much to all of you uh, who have been making uh, special donations to help us celebrate the 500th episode. It's uh, very, very kind of you, and uh, yeah, hopefully I'll get to see all of you in a couple of weeks. All right, let's move on now with feedback.
5: Captain, incoming message.
3: Okay, we're going to start with number four. Uh, This is feedback from Becky. And uh, she said, this is so old. Uh, All right, no, this is old. So maybe you already did this one. I don't think we did. We may have, but I don't think so. Who is being more or less reasonable in this one? And she's talking about this um, video, YouTube video. And uh, she says, thanks to the team for all of your work to make the podcast. I look forward to it every week. My closest airport is SBD, which I believe is San Bernardino, California. Do you ever fly into there or here? No, I don't. Right. I'd love well, to. Remember you did that
5: time you, you took a plane out there to retire, didn't you? Oh,
3: well, um that uh, oh wait a minute. Hmm. Hang on. Let me do a Yeah, is is, is someone uh, Liz, if you can do a, a search and make sure SBD is San Bernardino because I will. You, if that's the case that used to be Norton Air Force Base. I I'd, for some reason I was thinking of a different location in California and uh san bernardino international airport yes becky i do (laughs) but and i've done it um within the last couple of years i took i flew two um md88s to their retirement at Mm -hmm. san bernardino and sadly uh for me uh, the I, I didn't get to lay over there at all at San Bernardino. San Bernardino, uh, they put us in a van very quickly and carted us off to the Los Angeles International Airport where we were jetted back to Atlanta in a in an Airbus. So um, yeah, but uh, if I ever get back out there again, Becky, uh, I'll have to give you a call. All right, um, so let's play this video that she sent.
0: Five. There's traffic behind you waiting to depart, if you're not uh, ready I'm going to bring you onto the runway to vacate up 3-4. OK, um, uh, just a point of order, we're, we're just wait for the cabin to be ready, it takes about 2 minutes for the time that that's all before. OK, you need to enter runway 2-8 please, turn right onto runway 3-4 to vacate. Stand by, it's 4 five. Seabird 845, so proceed onto runway 28 now and vacate right onto runway 34. There is traffic behind you waiting to depart. Yeah, we have just got a phone call, someone. That's Bird 845, we are actually fully wet. Seabird 845, line up runway 28 and wait. Other runway 28, Spirit 845. And for future reference, Seabird 845, uh, I suggest you advise the uh, round controller that you're unable to take departure yet and you should really be testing out to Echo 1 when you're not ready for departure because there is traffic behind waiting that is ready. Stand by. 845, are you fully ready for departure? 8 845 we just doing the checks whilst uh, we keep talking about this. OK, negative. Turn right, please, onto runway 34. That's the third time I've asked you to take 8 to runway 3 4 If you're not ready, turn right onto runway 34. Madam, we are fully ready, we're just trying to complete the checklist, we uh, just interruption. to checked our checks, Negative, turn right onto runway 34, I've asked you three times now. Turn right to vacate onto runway 34. 30145, Yankee, roger, copy, the LSA will not be protected. Oh, uh, that's the ground order. four. I instruct you three times to vacate because there is traffic behind you. 30145, roger, what would you like us to do now, mate?
3: After departure, Dublin Control gave the pilot a phone number to call on the ground at Heathrow. Two aircraft had to go around, and something else I wasn't reading quickly enough. Um, sorry about the volume there. Um, I'll try to bump that up in the audio-only version of our show. Yeah, so, wow, that was I, I want to ask you, um, you, <laughs> Nick, me, yeah, about <laughs> about this. Um, uh, these, uh, d- I didn't think their responses or reactions to the requests and instructions from the controlling authority were appropriate.
6: It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, BA have a system whereby they get their final numbers uh, for I think I think it's their load sheet numbers um, late on. They 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 sent to them via ACARS or some. I mean, I'm thinking back a few years now, so mm-hmm. forgive me if I'm a little bit out of date. Um, and uh, they type them in, and then they go. Now uh, sometimes uh, they're the, the office who organises the sending of this and the calculation of this um, is a little bit late. Uh, so they, the VA will traditionally join the queue of aircraft and if they get to the front and they haven't got their numbers, then they will um, you know, say, well, we can't go, we haven't got our numbers yet. Uh, And unless there's somewhere convenient to stick them to one side while they get their numbers and then let them rejoin the queue, um, it all becomes a little bit difficult. And (laughs) I'm going to be just a little bit political here and just say... Uh, Some of the crews uh, will think up uh, good reasons uh, why they might want to dish delay a bit. uh, They won't call it waiting for their numbers. Uh, They will call it something else. Um, uh, Now, I'm not speaking for every pilot in VA or every aircraft or whatever, but they do have a little bit of a reputation. So um, this sounds very much like they were waiting for their numbers and um, the the girl, I think quite rightly said, "Well, get out of the way because uh, this, you know, get on the runway, taxi clear because there's yeah. someone waiting to go behind." Because I suspect this isn't the first time she's had this problem with this particular airline. So um, yeah, uh, quite rightly. And then, of course, uh, once they had finished, got their numbers, and were then trying to do their final checklists, she was engaging them in a you know, fairly lengthy conversation and stopping them from doing their checklist. But if you haven't done all your checklists, you're not ready. Exactly. So they were never actually really ready for takeoff. No. They, and they they tried to play the, oh, yeah, we're, we, we're ready card, but they weren't. And it's your um,
3: fault um, because you keep talking and won't let us exactly finish. Exactly right. But, but as no, you said, uh, <laughs> if you're not finished with your checklist as you're taking the runway, then you shouldn't yep. be taking the runway. Yeah. yeah
6: you're not ready no. absolutely so I, I don't have a lot of sympathy uh, for the crew the ba crew in this case um i understand it's it's tough for them because you know it's not really their fault it's their company's procedure that is the one the thing that's holding them up and they're just doing their best not right. to delay their flight overly but if it's just the case of taxiing around in a circle basically coming off the runway Rejoining and coming back on again—it's going to take like five minutes. What's mm-hmm. the problem?
3: So, yeah, I think, no, no. I think it kind of developed into kind of a a pissing power match player. or a power play, absolutely. Whatever you want
6: to call it. And in this case, uh, air traffic uh, hold the hammer here. So, yeah, <laughs> you're really on a hiding to nothing. Once air traffic have told you to clear their runway, uh, you really uh, have got to get clear of their runway. You right. could try and argue the point once. But if they're insistent, then, you know, they are the ones mm-hmm. with the authority. So, um, BA, obviously, the whoever this crew were thought, oh, we, we'll just push a bit harder, see if we can get away with it. It's only Dublin, after all. So, um, <laughs> I think Dublin would have been, quite rightly, a bit upset with them. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I was kind of getting upset. You know, it, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't. And, and hopefully, you don't take this the wrong way. We're not saying that. All be that that every BA pilot and every BA flight this happens. That's not what we're saying at all. I mean, regardless of who it is and you know, what airline and what pilots or whatever, um, any pilot out there that does this kind of malarkey uh, should stop (laughs) doing it. You know, just be ready. You know, American uh, airlines have that same type of system, like constantly uh, in Atlanta, you know, they'd be in the queue. And they go, yeah, we're not ready. We have to pull over to the side because we're waiting for our numbers, waiting for our numbers. I guess they finally got that worked out several years ago. Um, and we didn't, we weren't using that kind of system at all. And when we did start to use the kind of system where you get the numbers on your A um, we always made sure that we had it when we were still at the gate before we pushed back or right you know, shortly after we push back. And there are circumstances where, you know, when you're taxiing out or whatever, you're still waiting for those numbers. But, uh, you know, sometimes you just have to be proactive and say, hey, look, I don't think we're going to be ready. Can we pull off to the side or what would you like us to do? And I think that most of us are like that, you know, reasonable about, you know, not like making it um, a nightmare for everybody else. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I think it's just the
6: consolidation of the flight, and uh, the fact that uh, while that's going on, the aircraft can be taxiing out of the runway, so it gives them an extra ten minutes to close the flight off and get all the, everything sorted. Um, unless, of course, you uh, you know you find yourself taking a little longer than that, and then you're really gonna uh, you know um, delay the flight because they're not gonna. Able to get airborne without those figures, right? Anyway, well, so, they will, uh, but they I, won't be legal. <laughs> yeah, oh, yes, <laughs> yes. Very good point. So, uh, yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Uh, and uh, sometimes we have a bit of a whinge at the air traffickers, but today I think it's definitely the flight flying crew were the ones. <laughs> Uh, but I suspect uh, these particular flight crew are probably pulling their hair out by now because I suspect this, this video has been around for an awful long time. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. So to answer your question, Becky, uh, we kind of believe that the tower controller was being more reasonable in this situation than the yeah, pilots. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, let us continue. I copy that, Liz. Thank you. Um, we are going to continue with some more feedback. This from Scott. Close call Just on the tarmac. Be
5: careful of this one,
3: okay? Jeff, because um,
5: uh, there's some language. You got go to go right to the.
3: Oh, of oh, okay. So she, Liz is warning me there is some language in this video clip, and uh, I am told to scroll to the two minute forty five second mark. We've uh, had video from this guy before, Ozzy man. He calls himself, and is, he's he's hilarious. He's
5: funny. He is and funny,
3: and a very funny guy. So, let's see if I can get this thing going, and then quickly stop it, and then get to the right location. Okey dokey, pig in a pokey. Today we're <laughs> <laughs> okey dokey, pig in a pokey. I uh, love that. Uh, we're going to go scroll it over here to excellent. two. Yes, sir.
6: No, no. I was just saying, excellent. Yeah, yeah. What was it,
3: 245? Yep. Okay, here we go. Right about here.
7: Okay, good work, mate. Uh, Come in, control tower. FYI, my plane is stuck on runway three. I'm experiencing technical difficulties. Over. Uh, Come again, pilot. Which runway did you say? Over. Uh, Copy tower. That's runway three. Why do you ask? (laughs) Uh, belay that question, Tower. I may have answered it myself. Also, we're going to need a rescue vehicle to runway three and a clean pair of pants. Over. <laughs> Copy that. I've got pants in the car you can borrow. Over. Oh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs>
6: okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, uh, not the first time we see this one either, but yeah. boy, that yeah, I guy nearly died.
3: I thought we had seen that as well, but it was—I yeah. I thought it was—it was funny enough to uh, to play again. Absolutely. Um, so, to, why don't you describe the uh, scene to those who are not watching the video?
6: Oh, absolutely. Well, you've got the the bloke who is um, the leader of a. What looks like a formation of four aircraft which are lining takeoff and i think it's one of the the red bull air races or something similar to that and uh, he has got a fault okay so when they start the race uh, they're all on the runway he lifts his canopy up as an indication So he aborts his uh, takeoff yeah, well, he doesn't even start rolling. He, mm-hmm. he realises he can't go. He lists his canopy up as an indication to the other aircraft that he's stuck on the runway. Uh, and he's in a, one of those little uh, tail-dragger, fast-racing aircraft, you mm-hmm. know, single-engine prop. And the, the two guys either side of him, they go raw enough to start their race, and behind him, a few hundred feet behind him, is a, is a fourth aeroplane who comes hammering down the runway and obviously doesn't know yeah he's perhaps perhaps because the angle of his nose he can't see him very clearly but doesn't realize till the very last moment that this bloke's still stationary in front of him so he starts to swerve to one side but he can't get far enough across the runway and his wing hits the back of this uh this little racer and if it weren't for the fact that the fuselage kind of Covered the back of this bloke's head. He literally would have taken his head off. It's ter- <laughs> just terrifying. Anyway, lot of damage to uh, the bloke who's sitting on the runway, lot of damage to the, the bloke that's hit him who, who goes spiraling off <laughs> down the runway. I don't think anyone was, was badly hurt, but it, it must have come as a complete shot. And the, the lovely thing is the camera view is of this. Paul bloke's face throughout. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Golly, does he look hacked off. Yeah, he was, he? he's shaking
3: his head <laughs> yeah. you know, back and forth <laughs> like, I can't believe... That guy absolutely. just did that hit me like
6: that. Uh, that lovely uh, Aussie uh, commentary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: I'm going to need yeah. some, some new pants. <laughs>
6: yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah, it came so close to killing him. We, yeah. It could have been, you know, the last thing he'd ever see, seen. But uh, in no. which case, we would have probably had a completely different view
3: on the camera, mm. which would have not been very nice. But, no.
6: boy, that was close thing. Yeah. Close and, run.
3: You know, t- uh, if, if that had happened... That guy would never have known it. It would have been over like that. I mean, he didn't no, know that, that that guy was coming at him, I think, until he uh, took his he canopy was going off. going
6: pretty fast. I mean, they're powerful yeah. things, those Red Bull racers. Yeah. I'm not too sure what aircraft type they are. But, uh, yeah, I'm not sure And either. even if it was Red Bull, I, th- I think it might have been, but uh, don't know for sure. But it's <laughs> great. So... Um, Um, That that was obviously their procedure, by the way. If you can't move, you lift your canopy mm because he did it quite deliberately and did it quite early. But I suspect because of the tail position and the high nose of the guy behind him, he might not have been able to see him very easily.
3: Yeah. I would imagine, mm. you know, because we're not hearing their communications because we're just listening to Aussie man and his commentary. <laughs> yes. uh, but I'm wondering if he said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm not rolling. I've aborted or have stopped or whatever. And maybe. Well, yeah, good point. The other good person point. didn't hear him say that or something. I don't know.
6: No, in which case you really want to worry. You? Yeah. Not <laughs> only my sitting here, not moving, I'm shouting at you at the same time
3: yeah <laughs> well speaking of uh worrying we should worry about this guy uh who is uh up next for with some audio feedback and now please tell me liz that i did remember to put an overlay of this uh airplane that he uh refers to in his i probably didn't um, is that the chally i think so yeah as, so, as
6: pilot pip refers it to it is. As? uh
3: so let me do this um how am I going to do this? Uh, I can share this. Uh, uh, yeah, I can do this. Okay. Um, go back here. We're professionals here at the APG, just so you know.
6: Yeah, the trouble is we're not professional podcasters.
3: <laughs> yeah, we're not professional podcasters. we broadcasters.
5: We go to the Tale now and put the overlay up while we're playing the Tale, and then we'll go back. Oh,
3: yeah, that's a good idea. Or I could just, um ah, I'm gonna play this. I've gone this okay. far, Liz, here we go. Okay. Um, there, now can you see that? Yeah, yes. you can see that. Yeah. Okay, what a beautiful airplane that is. All right, and uh, it has some audio feedback uh, to go along with it. All right, let's move this thing out of the way so I can get back to my page and push this button.
7: Hi uh, everyone, Jeff and gang, it's Pip here. Uh, just taking some time out from my type rating course over here in Columbus. It's a beautiful, sunny, bright, crisp fall day. A fall day. Uh, I would have normally said autumn day, but I've been here so long. I'm becoming one of you, uh, if you'll have me, of course. I don't really uh, think uh, anyway, they want you. No. Uh, some episodes ago, maybe four or five, six episodes ago, you were talking about an incident involving a biz jet. Uh, runway upset, caught some jet blast, and I can't remember the details. But the conversation turned to wingtip strikes, and the question was asked: Can business jets or smaller jets like that, uh, you know, have wingtip strikes? Are their wings long enough? Are they big enough? You know, how does it all work? Uh, and the answer, very much that I've, as I'm learning these few weeks, is yes, and especially on the, the aircraft I'm now learning to fly, the Challenger three hundred and fifty. Uh, Is very much a feature of the training. Uh, it's a handful. There's a reason why they called it the Challenger. <laughs> it's very challenging to fly. It's um, yeah, a bit of a, a bit of a beast, a bit of a handful and a half, to say the least. Not uh, a, a pilot's aeroplane when it comes to hand flying. I've got a feeling it's going to be a mostly autopilot on experience. Uh, but anyway. Um, wingtip strikes, or wing strikes at least, uh, are very much a feature of the training. We've already had uh, several red screens of death in the sim when we've been practicing various maneuvers. Uh, so the problem is, as say, it's not a wingtip strike, it's a wing strike on the Challenger. And the problem is, uh, if you take a look at a picture of the Challenger 350, you'll notice on the underside of the wings, these three large... We call them canoes, but I suppose technically it's the the flat fairings. It's like covers on the underside of the wings that cover up all the flat mechanism. And they stick down quite far. And when you extend the flaps, the flaps go backwards and they go down, and these flat fairings get quite close to the ground. So when you're landing, the geometry is such that as you flare, those canoes get a little bit closer to the ground. And if you have any bank angle in uh, and flare too much, then they get very close to the ground. And actually, you've only probably got about six or seven degrees uh, bank angle to play with uh, before you you risk getting a a, a strike. So it's not much at all. So, oh, sorry, I'm out of breath. I'll be walking uphill. Um, So there's a lot of training goes into that making sure you're kind of flaring in the right way. It's quite a flat landing. You don't want to flare too much, Uh, and especially if you've got a a sporty crosswind. Uh, One of the reasons why the aircraft has such a pathetic crosswind limit for landing, only 24 knots, 28 for takeoff, but for landing, it's only 24. Uh, But the other real danger is on the V1 cuts, uh, an engine failure at V1. And that's where you have to be really on the ball. And that's where we've had the red screens of death in the sim so far. So you're barreling down the runway, uh, particularly if you're dealing with a a crosswind, you know, 15 plus not crosswind, which would be quite normal. Um, And if the, let's think, if the downwind engine fails, if you've got a crosswind from the left, let's say, and the right engine fails, then if you don't, reverse the ailerons very quickly and stick in pretty much full rudder then that engine failure is going to force the right wing up the left wing will tip and within half a second uh, one of those canoes has struck the ground and you're in a a whole world of hurt so it's a really really very tricky aircraft uh, in that regard but other than that the training is going pretty well Uh, nice to be you know new challenges it's kind of a bit clunky uh, certainly doesn't look quite as impressive as the uh, as the Lemon Avionics and Flight Deck, but crucially it's much, much bigger. Plenty of room to stretch out the old legs. And uh yeah, it'll be a nice comfortable ride for those longer seven, seven and a half hour flights that I suspect I'll be doing. Uh anyhow, um nice to be listening to the show. I've managed to catch up on a couple of episodes this week. Uh, keep it coming, looking forward to perhaps seeing some of you in December at EPG 500. Woohoo!
3: Until then, take it easy. Bye. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Pip.
6: That's really interesting because I fondly imagined with being uh, having the engines mounted on the fuselage very close to the satellite of the aircraft that there wouldn't be that much of an asymmetric problem. But obviously there is. It's uh, surprising, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, or and or it, perhaps yeah, not. I it, don't know.
3: It varies with the, the type of T-tail jet with the uh, tail-mounted engines. Um, but, uh, yeah. So Jeff's
5: a T-tail specialist.
3: Yes, I am a T-tail specialist. Thank you, Liz. Um, but, uh, yeah. it's uh, You still have to put in a reasonably large amount of uh, rudder to keep the uh, jet going straight down the runway. And uh, I don't think uh, it's as critical in my jet as it is for uh, the one that Pip is training on now as far as the uh, the the wing strike kind of threat. Um, I think it takes a considerably more amount of bank to uh, worry about scraping the wing.
7: Yeah,
6: I guess so. I we were very sensitive to it having uh, underwing pods, um, which didn't have a great deal of clearance. So you had to be very uh, careful with your angle of bank on a touchdown. So we we never did a, a wing down procedure for example if uh, if we're in a crosswind uh, you know it was only ever the crab technique uh, we and we had to be very careful when kicking off the drag that we kept the wings as level as possible as as you fled but uh, yeah their, their wing of course is bolted to the belly of the aircraft so it's about as low as it gets and they, they are large flat fairings aren't they they um they're at least as deep as half the undercarriage so you've only got all what looks like, probably less than indeed, the height of the wheels between your flat fairings and the, the runway. So you don't need much bank on at all No, to uh, start scraping those along the ground.
3: Yeah, the gear doesn't really... I hope
6: they're nice and cheap so that,
3: you know, if you do, they if <laughs> not cost much to replace. <laughs> probably, what, five ten million. $10 or so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Probably more each. than that. I have no idea. <laughs> each. of Yeah.
6: But uh, no, uh, it, it is. I think it's a great looking airplane. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's sleek and uh, it might be a little old fashioned compared with the lemon. But I'm sure Pip's going to see some interesting destinations and you know a variety is the spice of life for me. You know, keep you keep your. Uh, your aircraft types moving, adding to your license, making you a more employable person. And of course it keeps uh, the variety of
3: things you experience uh, continually changing. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, I think now would be a good time for us to do this week's installment of the old pilots plane tales and this one. Ooh, good. A, A treat. I have not listened to it yet. It is another Um, uh, ...edition of the RAF Form 14. This uh, one happens to be Volume 12.
6: The Old Pilot's Plane Tales. RAF Form 414, Volume 12. Year Two of Porridge. That's an old term used by prisoners... ...to describe their time inside jail but was very apt as many of my fellow flying instructors and I had not volunteered for this particular job and it was a long one, four years long. We kept it to ourselves though as it was hard not to smile at the unending enthusiasm of new students as they arrived. As I leaf through the pages of my logbook I'm surprised now at the variety of people I flew with. I had my regular students, of course, and the one assigned to me especially being a fine chap who was about as far removed from me as could be found. He was a very keen sportsman and the RAF orienteering champion, which is a bit like mixing the torture of cross-country running with the confusion of map reading, and not a big drinker. I would have run to get away from a burning aeroplane or into the bar for a free drink, but that was about it. I flew with quite a few pilots senior to me who were brushing up on their skills before returning to flying duty, as well as air cadets and non-flying RAF personnel who were on jollies, plus a whole host of others. We visited uh, various airfields all around the UK, and in only a few weeks, I'd been to Abingdon, Chivna, Honington, Lambeda, Wittering, Liverpool, Ronaldsway, Wharton, Lossiemouth, Shawbury, Kinloss, Coningsby, Lakenheath, and Church Fenton, to name just a few. There were also some flights where my newly acquired instructional skills weren't required. Our base was, for a reason I can no longer recall, putting up a 16-ship formation, callsign palm tree, after the flora that adorned the Flying School's badge. I think it was a diamond of four fourships, and I was helping out somewhere down the back. There were a few practices, and then the actual event, when 16 hawks, plus a whipper-in photography ship and spare were to darken the sky over some dignitary somewhere. The briefing had already been a shambles. Everyone had supposedly assembled, and just before the start, the chief flying instructor strode in and shouted, Palm Tree check in! For some reason, each individual foreship had been named after the D Day landing beaches, so it went Sword Check, 2, 3, Four. Omaha check, two, three, four Gold check, two, three, four Juno check, two, three, four All neat and very military Just then, two more pilots wandered in late Who are you? the CFI demanded Uh, Gold 2 and Juno 3, sir to much very poorly suppressed laughter as the efforts made by their comrades to hide their absence were revealed to a red-faced and furious wing commander. The briefing continued, with a mention to all that on return everyone would, unusually, fly right-hand circuits to reduce the noise over a local village." The start of the trip was also far from auspicious, as when flying a holding pattern with this big formation over land, the leader discovered that he needed to fly through a tight gap between the 1,000-foot cloud base and some high ground, a technique nicknamed letterboxing. Not a problem for a single aircraft, but the 15 aircraft following him were all flying a little bit below him, steps down. The lowest was my old friend D.L. at the back of the rearmost foreship. He was concentrating on the jet pipe of the aircraft a few feet in front when suddenly everyone around him scattered like confetti and D.L. looked ahead to see a ridge of Welsh granite staring at him in the face. Somehow... After negotiating this unexpected obstacle, everyone scrabbled to get back together, with the leader completely unaware of the debacle that was going on behind. After completing the flypast, our redoubtable leader returned everyone back to RAF Valley and lined them up on runway 32 for their usual break into the circuit, remembering, of course, that they were going to turn right. "'He ordered all the four-ships into line astern "'and then moved them from box four into echelon left. "'All sort of went well, considering that in living memory "'no one had ever done a circuit to that side of the airfield before, "'until the last four-ship. "'Perhaps the leader of that bunch hadn't been paying attention at the briefing, "'or the fact that everyone else ahead of him had broken to the right.' He, however, did what he always did and pulled into his usual hard-climbing left turn right into the other three aircraft in close formation on his wing. His number two was faced with a wall of red and white hawk and bunted hard out of the way, then gingerly pulled up and followed his leader. Number three pushed down harder and number four hit the end stops in his bunt. After this shambles and a few choice swear words, everyone pulled up and followed him around. Number four was a fiery ex-Jaguar pilot who was ready to flatten his leader, but was gently restrained by the station commander who'd seen it all from the ground and promised to deal with him. The very next day was a much bigger affair. Based on the success of the earlier mass formation... No one being killed, we were going for the big one, a thirty four ship. This was to celebrate RAF Valley being granted the freedom of Anglesey. A freedom is an ancient tradition which goes back to Roman times, when soldiers were usually forbidden to enter a city in uniform or with weapons freedom allows military organisations the privilege of marching into a place with drums beating, colours flying, and bayonets fixed. And in this case, for the RAF apparently, aircraft flying. 34 Hawks were needed to make up the letters M-O-N. For those in the know, Mon is Welsh for Anglesey. But we wondered what all the English speakers would make of a big, badly spelt NOW flying around the island. Each letter took off in turn and held over the ocean to the south, waiting for the order to form up. The N consisted of ten aircraft, and the fine chap in charge had decided to put all ten into a long echelon while he hung around waiting. Now, ten aircraft in echelon isn't an easy thing to fly. Any little wobble at the start becomes amplified down the echelon until number ten is going up and down like a bride's knighty. The cloud base was little changed from the day before when the letterbox trick had been played. And when the formation ran out of space and needed to turn, the intrepid leader rolled everyone into a turn towards the echelon. This meant that the entire formation, like the wing of a huge aircraft, had to go down to stay in position. The number 10 position was, you guessed it, DL. He was holding close formation and looking up the long line of aircraft towards his leader, but in his back seat was a young student, along for the ride. As the formation banked, D.L. was forced lower and lower to stay in position, until he heard a strangled squawk from the back seat. They had dipped so low that the wave tops were nearly lapping over his wingtip. Luckily, before he came home with a few Anglesey pollocks sticking out of his nablite, they straightened up again. Mon duly flew over Mon, and again all came home safely. In my case, all that good practice wasn't put to waste, as shortly after I was asked to lead a missing man fly-past of the base chapel to mark the funeral of a fellow member of the RAF who had sadly passed away. Before long that first course came to an end, and we watched our students get presented with their wings and then joined them for a mess dinner, which was quite riotous. They went on to more exciting things, we had to stay behind, and before long their faces, now looking considerably happier, had been replaced by a new bunch of keen, eager, and slightly nervous ones. The cycle was to continue for several years, but there was an occasional break to the routine. One was a jolly with our squadron boss to Bitburg, a USAF base in Germany, for a weekend spent driving a borrowed car up and down the beautiful Moselle, drinking fine Riesling whilst munching on the fresh asparagus crop, gently poached in butter, and admiring the many castles that lean over that mighty river. Then came an unexpected treat— I'd been given a general war appointment notice. Someone had apparently dreamed up the concept of recent frontline pilots in training roles returning to their squadrons in times of war. In practice, this meant that whenever my old squadron went on a major tachyval exercise, I would be recalled to fly with them for the duration. Woohoo! Phantoms, here I come! With all my flying gear piled up on my motorbike, I headed up to Scotland and presented myself to 43 Squadron to be met by blank faces. Apparently they hadn't received the memo. Not to worry, as soon as someone dug it out, I found myself doing a quick and dirty dual check, an instrument rating, and then I was let loose on the mighty beast again. A few more trips to brush away the cobwebs, and after a two-year absence, I was back in the saddle. Launched off on the first of several exercise sorties, I returned, but on landing, the brake chute failed. That wasn't a big problem, but it usually meant hot brakes, and with a bit of a tailwind that day, very hot brakes. Again... Not a problem, but the idea was to use the full length of the runway, keep your feet off the brakes as much as possible, and try to stay moving until they cooled down a bit. Sadly, the tower had other ideas, and with a blocked exit, I was stuck on the end of the runway. When I was eventually allowed to taxi, I opened up the two Rolls-Royce spays, but nothing happened. I gave it a bit more, and then a lot more. I was stuck, and what's more, I was stuck on the damn runway with welded brakes. Not an auspicious start, and a terrible place for the engineers to have to do a brake change. When I walked in to see raised eyebrows and a grumpy boss, I vowed to keep my nose clean, but on the very next sortie, motoring along at low level, chasing some inbound targets— "'my eyes were drawn inside the cockpit to a bright red caution light. "'All thoughts of finishing off a few more unfortunate bombers "'went out of my mind as I gazed at the legend written on the warning. "'Fire.' "'As calmly as I could, I told Ian, my nav, "'Hey, mate, we've got a left-engine fire warning.' "'I started the boldface items, those done by memory,' and brought the left throttle back to idle, waiting the required five seconds, while Ian pulled out his emergency procedures checklist. The light remained on, glaring at me. Nothing for it now. I confirmed which engine it was, and then lifted the latch on the throttle and pulled it all the way back, turning off the high-pressure fuel cocks. The left engine wound down. Ian confirmed the next actions. RAT, extend, engine master off, engine bleed circuit breakers, number one panel, 4C and 5C pull. Is the warning still on, he asked. Yes, I replied. Well, we need to check for signs of fire. If we're on fire, we eject. If not, then land ASAP. While all this had been going on, I'd put out a quick call to our fighter controller. "'Mayday, mayday, mayday. Foxtrot Charlie Tango, three-five. "'Engine fire. Wait.' "'We had been on our own, "'and our targets had by now streaked away, "'so no good asking them for help. "'Ian craned his neck to peer as far back as he could, "'and I stared intently into the mirrors. "'We look okay, he said, "'and all I could see was the faint black exhaust "'of our remaining engine. "'Yep, it looks good.' How our controller had contained himself, I'm not sure, but he'd been disciplined enough not to interrupt. But now, once I called him again, the floodgates opened. Squawk 7700, Vector 275 for Lucas, emergency services are on standby, what's your situation? Well, we had 50 miles to go, and on one engine, so we weren't breaking any speed limits. If I needed to, I could jettison the tanks, but they were empty, so the Phantom was performing pretty well. It was going to take a while to get home, and in the meantime another F4 was vectored onto our wing to give us a look-over. He disappeared underneath and popped up on the other side. Everything looked pretty normal, he said, but I'll hang around till you get down. This was a welcome offer, as the North Sea could be a cold place. Having someone with us to mark our position if fire appeared and we jumped out would be great. The miles ticked down, and still the fire warning remained, but I was getting suspicious of it now. The heat from an engine fire should have dissipated by now, and after a good visual inspection it was probable that the warning was spurious, but there was no point in standing anything down as we were almost home. Ian had flipped a card 37 to remind me of the single-engine landing procedures. RAT extend? Well, it was already out. Appropriate generator switch off speed less than 350 knots. Hydraulic gauges monitor. Gear and flaps extend at a safe height with military power on the good engine. Overrun cable be prepared to use. Note, with PC1 failed, it was... The pitch stability augmentation system is inoperative with no pitch org off caption. Before approach, a rack confirmed ramps to override, calculate decision height. Well, it was good weather and we were light, so no extra allowance on our decision height was needed. Ian also briefed the overshoot. Max reheat without delay Your control with rudder Landing gear up without delay Maintaining angle of attack of 17 units Once on finals We flew the required long straightened approach Trimming the slip ball to the centre Selecting half flap And not exceeding 17 units angle of attack Until we reach the threshold As I thumped the Phantom in for our usual unflared landing and pulled the brake chute, we were chased down the runway by a couple of fire trucks, a doctor's car, an ambulance and a bunch of engineers. As we came to a halt, we were soon surrounded by disappointed firemen in shiny silver suits. I would have been happy to taxi in, but our chaps already had a tow bar attached, so we shut down and were ignominiously dragged to a parking spot, In front of the squadron As we had suspected It turned out the fire warning Had been bought on by a fault In the fire detection wire That surrounded the engine But we couldn't have been sure of that at the time I flew several more times But after a couple of weeks of fun Back with my old squadron They sent me packing back to valley I'm sure the boss Was glad to see me go I'd been far too much trouble For his liking
3: Well, I can, I can understand that.
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I must apologise uh, to Liz because there was an overlay I neglected to put there, and I because it's slightly amusing. I thought this was um, a photograph taken during uh, a course graduation, um, so uh, that's a mixture of instructors and students uh, all having a suitably uproarous night <laughs> yeah uh by the way th- there is an american in the middle of that picture i just thought i'd let you know in case you thought we
3: were all like that okay um wh- whose fanny are we looking at there uh i'm afraid i can't uh possibly <laughs> yeah,
6: <exactly>. um <laughs>
7: okay <laughs>
6: just wondering <laughs> i think i know it's just that. You you won't find my face anywhere else. Oh, no, I know I didn't uh, see it. <laughs>
3: uh. All right. Well, what do they say? TMI or T uh, TMI. too much information? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, uh, they they
6: were that was a good a good course. Some courses were very quiet and mousy. Others were were good fun and uh, knew how to enjoy themselves after a hard day's work. So, that was one particularly good course. That one we enjoyed that.
3: Wow, uh, these uh, logbook um, memories are are so much fun and and uh, it makes me realize what an amazing career you had in the uh, in the military. <laughs> I was a lucky chap, <laughs> no doubt about it. Oh, that's great. All right. Well, I think that we can uh, continue moving on and knock out some more feedback.
5: Keep on,
3: keep it on. Pardon me? Keep it on?
5: Keep on, keep it on. Keep
3: on, keep it on. All right. Uh, we'll just go in order then on number seven. Um, I'm pretty sure I have the uh, overlay on this one, Liz. Uh, uh, Chet says he has yes, an RAF question. Yes, what would you say? Yes, you do have Okay, great. Yes, um, Dear experts, I'm attaching a picture I recently saw on a news feed that was on my computer. This caption led me to a couple of questions: Which branch of the RAF does the U.S. Air Force belong to? Uh,
6: <laughs> wait, wait, wait! I, I a good
3: assume. question. Um, so uh, the uh, the, uh, the the picture here is uh, from Newsweek, and it's a, a uh, the. The headline or the caption is Russian fighter jet inter- intercepts UK aircraft over Black Sea. Except the picture is the uh, over-the-top view of uh, U.S. Air Force um, 135. I don't know if it's a KC or an RC 135. Um, can't really tell from this angle. At least I can't. Uh, but it's clearly... It's a, a rivet joint. Yeah. It's clearly a, a USAF uh, air, airplane. Not... Not a Russian fighter, uh, and not a UK aircraft. Uh, so
5: Could it have been based in the UK?
3: It Could might it have been, been Liz. Been Maybe based. it was a US Air Force jet based in the UK. Mm. Um, no,
6: it wasn't. It was a Royal Air Force uh, rivet joint.
3: Oh, okay. With uh, the RAF? Martin.
6: The RAF required um, some rivet joints, which we have operated... Um, uh, out of RAF Waddington, um, they're flying with 51 Squadron and 54 Squadron, uh, and um, you know it's it's the same sort of thing as uh, your aircraft, except that uh, they operate operated by the Royal Air Force in Royal Air Force colours, uh, and but doing a very uh, similar job, basically uh-huh. uh, filling in for United States Air Force aircraft. Uh, um, that, uh, you know, would perform this role, but, uh, you know, you guys are busy, so where possible, uh, being a a fully committed NATO nation, we,
3: um, you know, uh, fly them uh, instead.
5: But this this isn't in RAF colors.
3: What... um Liz is saying, "Well, it's not in RAF colours, but I guess it's uh, just the US oh, well, Air that Force picture is, and they've got the wrong picture." I, I've got a. Oh,
6: can I okay. can I share
3: this picture? Sure. Just well, I guess the point on. is, I guess that um, that uh, Chet was making is the fact that uh, once again the journalists yeah. uh, got it wrong. That's exactly right. Anyway.
6: So if I try and go uh, share screen and. Uh, is it, uh you just have to figure out what that, window or there
3: whatever we go. there it is and now you have to hit the um on ah. the i don't know why they've changed that it used to be you just immediately see it on the screen but here i'll add to the stream there we go could
8: you
3: yeah okay rivet joint so when you said rivet joint i didn't have any idea what you were talking about what i didn't realize that was the name that they have given to the 135
6: it's it, it's that particular kind of um, ELENT, um oh, okay. electronic uh, gather, information gathering aircraft. So um, yeah uh I what can't is, make why do they call it rivet
3: joint? What's the, I don't understand the significance. That's the
6: United States Air Force name for it. And oh. I suspect it's it's role. it's um, the classification. Radar it's or something? Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it, it could probably do that role, but it's more likely to be intelligence gathering. So oh. it's it's uh, the, the sneaky, peaky, have a look uh, at the Russians and get the frequencies of all their radars mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff and monitor their communications, etc. So um, that's uh, a Royal Air
3: Force one right there. Okay. All right. Still don't understand the significance of the name Rivet Joint, but no,
6: no I, I think it's just a random okay. uh, name for the mission. It's a gotcha. code word for the mission they perform. Okay, I suspect.
3: Wow. Well, you know, so I uh, I I know so little, so little, <laughs> and so little time. Right. There okay. Um, Liz is telling me we have about a half an hour remaining, so we need to push on. Oh, anyway, uh, Chet was saying, could this really be part of Virgin Black? See? British Airways? My first thought was Ryanair, but the jet in the photo appears to be too luxurious. Anyway, I figure Captain Nick can identify this UK aircraft. My fingers are crossed. Thanks. And he did. And he is capable. So there you go. Thanks, Chet. Uh Greg sent this in. Um, weather forecasting for Air Force One uh, from Foxweather.com. I found this article fascinating. There is even a little paragraph about forecasting flight levels to avoid contrails forming. And again, this is from Greg Peterson, our big-ass fan up in Lexington. Uh, Let's see, the article uh, title, Forecasting for a President, it's no ordinary pilot brief for Air Force One. And uh, U.S. Air Force meteorologists need to look out for more than just clouds and storms along a president's flight path. And I need to peek over here to see if we have an overlay of the weather forecaster in full military uh gear. Um we'll see if Liz will pop that up for me. Yep, sorry. All right, no problem. Um, and and just letting you know that I cannot see uh the window, so you'll have to let me know when you're when you have it up there and what you're looking at. Um anyway, uh Alberto Romero, veteran meteorologist, from forecasting the weather during operations in Afghanistan to ensuring safe skies for Air Force One Fox Four Dallas Fort Worth meteorologist uh, and Air Force veteran Alberto Romero has done his part to keep Americans safe, both at home and over- oh, there he is! I got him! I got him! I got him! And abroad, okay, got him now. Yep. All right, there. there he is. There's Alberto <laughs> Romero.
6: <laughs> you know, it looks like he's got half his uh,
3: half a weather station attached to his helmet. <laughs> it does. I guess that must be uh, some kind of a camera over there, over his goggles on his uh, helmet. Anyone.
6: I love it. I I don't know what that is. Or, or maybe a head. windsock. Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna say an anemometer. But Anem- anemometer on top of his head. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's a real weather geek. <laughs> 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 All right. Yeah. Um, so we're not. I'm not gonna read the entire article, but we uh, thought it was interesting. There's also a picture of uh, U.S. Uh, Air Force One, and. Uh, I've got it up. What else do I have in there? I think that was just a, two of those, those um, two, pictures from that article. So anyway, if you're interested in learning about how uh, meteorologists uh, forecast weather for Air Force One, check out this article. And again, this is from foxweather.com.
6: I must admit, we uh, uh, every morning that we I flew operationally uh, with the Air Force, we would get a full net briefing from a METMAN, which included um, the levels at which we could uh, expect um, semi-permanent and permanent trails. So uh, knowing those levels, if we had to go f- through them and we didn't want to leave a, a big you know, contrail, we would try and do so vertically. So we would um, we'd accelerate and then pop up vertically through them just to leave a little short squirt of white uh, contrail and then get above them as quickly as possible. And we used to use the op-revity code when you saw someone trailing a uh, footprint. So um, you, you didn't, obviously, what was tactically very poor to uh, to dump a trail uh, because it gave the enemy mm-hmm. <laughs> way too much information. So we tried to avoid it as much as possible.
3: I never had to worry about that in my Air Force no. career. Possibly not. No. No. no, Yeah. Well, interesting. Well, it looks like, um, Dr. Steph is back with us in uh, voice only. Oh, wow. Yeah.
4: Can you hear me? Okay.
3: We can. Excellent. Yeah. Right. Hi Steph.
4: Yeah. How hey. was the run? Yeah, no, it was really good. Um, yeah, it's kind of a, you know, COVID and all kind of an odd thing. They did have a mass start at six o'clock, but they're allowing people to show up anytime between six and six 30 to start the race. So it's kind of like wait and see as to how you place for, you have to wait for everyone to to finish the course based on when they started. So Mm -hmm. as of right now, um, ninth overall female in first age group. So wait and see. Oh, excellent. 30 30 minutes and four seconds for the 5k. And it's single track bike. And
6: that's after a couple of beers.
4: After two beers in the dark, headlamp only. (laughs) I didn't fall. didn't hurt myself. Describe the course. Um, Hilly single track so you know very narrow and all of the uh, trails are covered in leaves right now so you can't really see all the obstacles like the tree roots and the rocks and things that you have to step over and avoid um it's fun i've done this tra- this race this particular race in the dark um it's always this second weekend of november probably three or four times now it's one of my favorites. It's a lot of wow. fun. Wow.
6: It sounds prime territory for turning an ankle. Oh, what oh it is.
4: It is. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely took at least one or two funny steps, but I'm, I'm all good. <laughs> you have to just kind of Brilliant. know that it's going to happen, and just when it happens, you go with it so you don't hurt yourself. But,
3: I can't think yeah. of anything right. safer than to run uh, in, in the, the dark, dark as fast <laughs> as you can on a on trail. bike trail covered with leaves. Way to go, with stuff. With a bunch of people <laughs> yeah. around you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that too. Yeah, right. elbowing you, you and –
6: yeah.
4: yeah, we did have to hold at the start so that the uh, emergency medical services uh, personnel could position themselves on the course. Like they set the first wave off, and then they held us up for a minute so that they could get out there and, and be ready just in case. But as far as I know, everyone is is good so far.
6: Excellent. Well, that's great news. That yeah. is a good, that's good news. It
4: was, it was fun. Well, so well
6: done. And congratulations. Sounds like you you did a really good time.
4: Yeah, I'll have to uh, I'll have to head back over there in about half an hour to see if I. Collect a, a prize if I won one or
6: not. Well, oh, yeah. I I can't wait to see the picture of you with yet another medal. Fantastic. Yeah, I know yeah, another...
4: Well, actually, I don't know that they're giving out medals. I think so. The this particular um organizer of races they always have either like water bottles or um, a gift certificate to the gift shop or other other actual prizes in place of medals.
6: Well, hopefully they'll give you a glass of beer.
4: That would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're available for purchase at some overinflated <laughs> cost, which I've already had two of them. So I'm good for the moment. <laughs>
6: oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, well done. Is, is it warm enough?
4: Uh, it's uh, 46 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's that's perfect for being out on the trails.
6: Excellent. You can't see oh, me at the moment, job. but I'm
4: wearing, you know, I've got a, a small beanie hat, like very lightweight one, and a little puffy vest over my lightweight uh, long sleeve and long pants. Uh,
6: and very, uh, any wolves around there?
4: Wolves?
3: Yeah. yeah, or maybe okay. black bears. Well, maybe. Hey, we no, you is, probably This is be the too fast. just
4: barely outside of Charlotte, so, so not a whole lot of.
3: The hat you're talking about was could <laughs> that be the same hat that we were having a discussion about on the last it show? It's a different
4: hat. Oh, okay. But that that was a hat. It was okay. not a you know a water bladder, and I did send. Um, uh, I know you guys were talking about it. It's actually mm-hmm. a special edition dunkin donuts hat that is very much a thing at the start of the new york city marathon oh. so when you're waiting to start the new york city marathon dunkin donuts is one of the sponsors and they have coffee and donuts um, but they also make a special edition hat for all of the runners each year with the the um the year embroidered on it and so most people collect one at the start and at least wear it for a little while because it's usually kind of cold mm-hmm. it's always pink and orange like that Always kind of the oh. same design. Um, but this year, it had because the race was the 50th anniversary of the New York City Marathon, they had the special
6: 50th. Um, yeah, I thought it looked very morning. smart. And, and I yeah. thought it was it was classic that uh, a company that produced donuts <laughs> was sponsoring a race. <laughs> well, I thought that was great.
4: It's, it's perfect for marathon runners who are like, yeah, we want coffee and donuts before we run. <laughs> <laughs>
6: Brilliant.
3: Brilliant. Love
4: it. And that has nothing to do with aviation, but, you know, I want to answer that to uh, clear up that mystery for you.
3: Well, it's not just Excellent. aviation we do here.
4: I know. I know. I know.
3: Mostly. But okay.
4: Of, should, we, should we tackle some more? I have no idea where you guys are in the feedback.
3: Well, we're going to loop on back to the um, feedback yes. uh, item that you wanted to uh, cover. But right now, I'm trying to – yeah, you're right, Liz. I did not uh, apparently put that overlay in. So let me see if I can – find it and make sure that um, I have it. And if not, then I can share the window, but I'd rather do it. Uh, the overlay method.
6: In the meantime, would you like me to read the article?
3: Yes, please. I would love okay. for you to do that. So
6: uh, here you go, Steph, sure. uh, for you to comment on uh, skydiving outfit sets record at Fort Morgan airport. Uh, 10 skydivers joined in head up formation. So a head-up formation for a start.
4: So for a start, so let's let's go to skydiving basics. When people start learning how to to skydive or to jump, um, they're doing so in a belly-to-earth um, orientation because that's very stable. So you, that's just what it sounds like. Your belly is facing towards the earth, um, and your you know arms and legs are somewhat outstretched. and It provides a good stable platform. There are certainly many other ways to fly or fall through the air. Uh, Head up is one of those. So that's, again, kind of what it sounds like. Your feet are pointing down towards the earth and your head is up towards the sky. Um, And it's it's certainly more advanced flying than, than belly to earth and takes a lot of work to be able to do well. And then a lot more work to be able to do in proximity to other people safely and in a coordinated fashion.
6: Okay, so 10 skydivers from Orange Skies dropped from Fort Morgan Municipal Airport on Friday the 8th of October, setting the Colorado Head Up Formation record, according to a press release from Orange Skies Freefall Center. The whole jump sequence was filmed by skydive videographer Leyland Procel and can be viewed on the Orange Skies Freefall Center Facebook page. Orange Skies has been operating at Fort Morgan since uh, 2019 and offers all sorts of different types of jumping as well as uh, training, uh, a world-class training for skydiving competitions. This is the first record set by Orange Skies crew but we don't expect it will be their last, said Orange Skies drop zone manager, Shea Curtis. If you want to watch skydivers landing their parachutes, anyone's free to visit their facility. That sounds good. Um, yeah. So there they go. It, it doesn't seem to be a huge formation. It looks so that is that's ten
4: jumpers. Um, that's ten jumpers, and I so um, I am not a very good um, or very skilled head up jumper. I am in the uh, let's say the beginning stages of working on and improving those skills and. Oh, can you all hear me okay? Yeah. It got suddenly very quiet for me in my ear. I don't know, and Anyway, um, it, it takes a lot of work, a lot of practice to be able to come together and do that safely. Um, the way these, uh, so the USPA is the one that, the United States Parachute Association um, is the one that judges and um, validates these various state and national records for numbers of jumpers that come together in various formations, head up, head down, belly, big way. Um, there's there's all kinds of different um, records that are out there to be set and, and can be improved upon, um, this being one of them. This takes a lot of skill. It looks They're making it look very easy in the one picture there. Um, but if you watch video of all of these things coming together and a lot of the practice jumps that happen to, to make this happen, you get a much better appreciation of the amount of uh, <laughs> some, a lot of hard work, a lot of frustration, a lot of um, excitement when it all comes together and, and goes well. Um, and I actually, I responded to Vernon um, because his timing with this email was was pretty interesting because speaking of records, there were a group of ladies at our drop zone, not me, but a group of very experienced female skydivers who just set the national record for a women's only head-up formation, and that was with nine jumpers. So All right. women only, okay. nine jumpers, national record. Um, so I'm guessing you're... Said,
6: stu- your stability is uh, is very different compromised. Yes, yeah. yes.
4: You're presenting a lot less surface area towards the relative wind. So it takes a lot more to stay stable in that particular orientation.
6: Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Wow. That's excellent.
4: So what I said to Vernon was, I love seeing these records being set and broken. It takes a lot of work and practice to get a group of jumpers to be able to fly together heads up. I told them about the record that was set at our drop zone right around the same time as this. And I basically said, I'm I'm very lucky to be surrounded by such high caliber uh, jumpers and mentors.
2: Um, yeah, yeah. Looks it's, good, it's, it? it's
4: good stuff. It's it's a lot of fun, a lot of hard work, and a lot of uh, reward when it comes together well.
6: Very Excellent. cool. Nice to yeah. done. Yes. Yeah. All right.
4: Well, oh, I- Tim Van Ram had a question. He said, as the jumpers approach the airport, my guess is that this photo there in the downwind um, portion. Um, no you don't really want to be downwind there <laughs> um but yeah before they before they set up to to fly back to the airport they're going to return to belly to earth break away from each other you know be a safe distance away and then they'll fly towards their, their holding area and then start a basically the same as as you would flying a downwind base and final leg towards the target landing area
3: all right so um, very good thanks Steph. Uh-
6: Just one last question, Steph, um, how fast do you fall when you're head up compared Mm. with a lot faster than when you're
4: belly to earth? I have to go back. I'm not sure. I actually, I'm not sure I should quote the, so belly to earth is typically around 120 miles per hour, depending on the jumper and, uh, anything that is not belly to earth is significantly faster.
3: Hmm. Interesting. Isn't there like a speed, no matter what position you're in that you can like a maximum that you can reach?
4: Terminal velocity.
3: Uh, Terminal velocity. I think they call it. Thank you, Liz.
4: Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of things that go into that. You can you can change that based on your. So if you were in a vacuum, yes. Mm -hmm. But on Earth, we're not in a vacuum. So a lot of factors play into that, including, you know, how much surface area you're I presenting to the relative wind, your amount of you have drag that goes
3: into that as well. Oh, so so vacuuming would this be like extreme vacuuming then? Like extreme ironing?
4: Yes, <laughs> like extreme ironing.
3: Oh, okay. okay. I got it. <laughs>
4: yeah. We have to wait for you Rick to be like back so we guy? can talk. We can ask him if he's ever been involved in the go. extreme ironing world championships. Because apparently that's a thing. I just found this out and I was amazed to know that. That's
3: the thing. Oh, uh, you're a latecomer, Steph. We've been talking about extreme ironing for quite some time.
5: We've got Rick up doing his ironing. Yeah, there you, you go. But the world championships?
3: Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, guys, oh, yeah. Rick, re- uh, he's, you, he's trying I- to get through you do the your preliminaries. Irony, like,
4: like on top of a mountain? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've oh, we've I'm
3: been showing some pictures right like that. It's just kind oh, of get with the get with a show here, Steph.
4: Oh, I'm sorry. You
3: need to <laughs> you need to show up more often.
4: I need to be present more. Yeah.
3: Often, okay. <laughs> no, just yeah. kidding. We don't want to stress you out. Right. Um no, that's just all good. Number nine, here we go. This is from Texas anla uh from Remembrance Day. He said, i had been listening to APG 496 with the plain tale about the poppies. And later that day, I saw this pop up on my feed on YouTube, uh, pun intended. And uh, there's a picture, an overlay. Are we, are we looking at that right now?
2: Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. For
3: those limited to audio... This is a field of poppies at dusk with a flight of Lancasters over the horizon in the distance. This comes from the channel The Operations Room, which has videos that cover various military actions, mostly from the 20th 20th, 20th century to present. Many of them cover air campaigns and so are worth checking out. My personal favorite is their video on the first day of Desert Storm, which has aircraft buzzing around the desert like a swarm of bees. In any case, wanted to share that. Hope you have a good upcoming Thanksgiving, or had one, depending on when you get to this. This really? is the Texas and Leshock signing off. Well, I mean, the Canadians had it, what, toward yeah. the beginning of the month, right? Like uh, weeks ago.
2: October.
5: Yep. Second, second Monday
3: Liz of October. Oh, wait. Long time ago. Second uh, Monday of October. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're about to celebrate uh, the U.S. Like to, uh, Thanksgiving out. Uh, next week, Thursday. What would you say, Liz?
5: We like to spread our turkeys out.
3: You like to spread your turkeys out. Well, that sounds kind of personal, actually.
5: I know. (laughs) Okay.
3: Um, Is that like is that like man spreading turkey spreading? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. A
6: a butterfly turkey. Okay.
3: (laughs) Okay. So
5: Jeff, I'm
3: thinking you need a big oven
6: for one of those. Two
5: more, and let's do number Uh. number thirteen. No, not number thirteen. Number eleven. Okay, eleven. And then finish with number fifteen. Okay. Eleven and fifteen. Eleven
3: and fifteen. Okay, that's the call. From the control room. All right, number eleven. Feedback from and then Robert. We'll wrap it up. Uh, Robert E. coli. Robert, is I just that, your real that. Name? I don't <laughs> think so. Robert. Robert E. coli. CEO. Th- Very good. Throm- I've heard of Robert E. Lee,
6: but not Robert E. coli. <laughs> What's
3: thrombiere or thrombiere? I'm not sure how that's pronounced either. He's a CEO, though. Apparently, Robert E. coli. Mister Coli, we like to call him. Uh, thrombiere. Uh, he says, "Hi, Nick. Oh, this is for you, Nick." Um, oh, sent to damn.
5: Nick, and then Nick sent it in.
6: Okay. My <laughs> underlings tell me you appreciate fine art that explores the depths of the mind. See below for when you find yourself missing your old job. Ah! <laughs> ow! Ow, <laughs> ow, I was very lucky, really, wasn't I, when I retired. I didn't have to go through any of that. So. Uh, yeah. I, I love mean, the, the worst uh, thing that used to happen during SARS and various <laughs> other things uh, was we used to have to walk in front of um, uh, thermal cameras to see whether if we had a high temperature or not. But mm-hmm. we never had to do that stuff.
3: <laughs> well, I love the, uh, the letters there following or living the and then the D is kind of. You know, living, the ream. living the ream yes. and then the tap tap the tap end. you can see the thing coming In out the of the back head. of the
4: brain yeah
3: <laughs> that's great that looks
4: very uncomfortable
3: yes yes i does. think
4: robert e coli is quite the joker his thrombus air thrombi air i'm thinking he's making fun of dvts also there oh
6: okay. and not. the fact that I it's been sent it. from his minions telephone <laughs> <That's> <laughs> a good one.
3: very very clever all right well thank you uh robert E. coli or uh, Mr. E. coli. All right. Uh, and then 15, you said? 15,
5: Liz? yeah, and we'll wrap it up. It, okay. It's, it's Jeff at Jeff. Oh, and his boy. Uh,
3: do we have to do this one? Yeah, we do. Okay. Totally. Is it Jevon? Jevon?
5: Jevon. Jevon. Um, he's
3: coming to Atlanta. He's coming to Atlanta. He said, looking forward to seeing you guys in, at the 500. Secured me a runway view room. Awesome. Mm. All right. Well, he says uh, found a video of what happens every Christmas. Captain Jeff and his brother get together. And just to be clear, I don't have a brother, but okay. So, brother in he arms, perhaps. So, I'm going to quickly uh, share this video, and you're going to really be impressed with my with my dance moves on this one. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> guys in the background too they start getting into it
4: (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea you were so good at dancing
6: well, yeah, there are a lot of, I have a well, lot of I'm not talents. absolutely certain, it's dancing. Here
4: it goes. Listen, it's something that. that I can't do, so I'm going to call it dancing.
6: Oh, you can't dance? I think he's trying to run a 5K, but not
3: making much progress. <laughs> All right, I haven't watched the whole thing here. How much more of this do we Oh, okay, so I should probably stop at some point. Oh, Oh, nice move. I think they made
6: a few mistakes. Yeah, I think they
3: messed that one up. Yeah, this is a
4: very long, (laughs) (laughs) elaborate routine. There we go. Not exactly like.
6: Yeah,
3: that's not bad. You know, I I worked a long time and I practiced quite a lot on that one. Absolutely. (laughs) Who was the bold guy then, Jeff? My brother.
4: His brother.
6: Yeah.
4: How okay. It look
6: looked like Mike Carroll. <laughs> it's Mike Carroll.
3: Uh, <laughs> what did you just call him, baldy all his life? Yeah, he was bald from the day he was born until the <laughs> day, he, well, I don't know. Until <laughs> <laughs> so the day you shot him. Yeah, well, shh, we're not going to talk about that. Okay, that's why I never mentioned I have a brother. But <laughs> oh, fair enough. The truth well, you do, want to you do you, so. you want to do
5: your perfume one?
3: Oh, yeah, like we that? should do that. Oh, you know what I do want to do um, is uh, number 14. Um, because this is kind of a little bit time sensitive, uh, Brian, uh, Pasadena, Brian, or, uh, PTU, not PTUK, um, uh, Airplane Geeks, uh, airplane geeks. Brian, uh, Coleman sent this in and, uh, he has a question, it's audio feedback and, oh, wait a minute. Hang on. No, I don't want to do that. I'm going to do that. one on the uh, next show. Uh, it's about the plane tags, to, uh, which, which number is that, uh, That would be uh. Uh, Come on, come on! I know Uh, it's here somewhere.
5: Number thirteen.
3: Thirteen? Yeah, it's thirteen. Okay. Oh, there it is. Um, I guess a couple of folks sent uh, in this about um, mad dogs being turned into luggage tags uh, from this company called Plain Plain Tags, not Plain Tails, Plain Tags. And uh, let's see, any who thinks, uh, let's see, just saw this and thought it may or may not be of interest. I'm not affiliated in any way with this company, just interested if you flew these tail numbers and if there were any characteristics you remember about them. Maybe kind of a eulogy. Hmm. Well, they all pretty much flew the same. I mean, some had a little bit uh, different characteristics, uh, but... I, I don't recall exactly. You know, I, I it's not like I looked at the tail number and went, oh yeah, that's the one that has like a, the roll rate's not very good or it's a really snappy. No, nah, it's just you know they're pretty much
5: just another day at the yeah, office. yeah another
3: day at the office kind of. But yes, yeah, so I did fly these uh, tail numbers. Let's see. Um, well, I think I only made an overlay of one of them, and uh, yeah, once you get that one, throw that yeah, one. That's <laughs> the MD eighty eight one. Uh, but they have there's a picture of an MD eighty eight and an MD ninety. Uh, one in both of those tail numbers. Uh, I flew all of them uh, because, you know, when you fly an airplane for 18 years, yeah, <laughs> they are. good chance. Um, yes, so I
6: was going to say, like, it, nope, it
3: would be unusual if you missed one. Yeah, unusual if you missed didn't like one. that one. So yeah. So there's trying. the uh, MD 88 uh, tag um, from plane tag from Genuine Skin, uh, number 504 of 5000, tail number 982DL. Oh, and that's from, uh, oh, yeah, of course I didn't fly this. This is a different airline. This is Delta's um, yeah. oh, MD-88s. No. Where,
6: where's nice Acme's fly, one?
3: Though. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but uh, so anyway. Coming me, soon. Coming yeah, soon. coming soon, of course. Anywho, thanks to all to you all for the great show. I've been listening since the mid-200s. Ooh, wow. Definitely have the syndrome. Keeps me up and awake, sitting in sometimes endless traffic. Yes, Even the Ricketts segments. Yeah, you could fall asleep. you got to be careful if you're listening uh, during those segments. Anyway, it says Tailwinds, Alpha Yankee, Under the Palm Tree, Bravo, under, oh, wait, Mm, that's another show. Yeah, I'm thinking uh, we don't do that here. (laughs) This is Anders Yarbrough from Los Angeles. And then, um, coincidentally, um, I received some email from Brian. Now we're going to talk about Brian. And I'm going to see if I can find the uh, email exchange that uh, he and I had and uh, should be very sure. You know,
6: while you're finding yeah. that, Jeff, uh, Brian wrote to me and said uh, he was going to be coming to the UK uh, early next year. Mm-hmm. And um, did he want me, uh, did I want him, sorry, to bring my bowling balls? <laughs>
2: <that I laughs> yeah, had he said something about Nick's the, balls. The, in, in the a...
6: Pasadena Bowling Club which I thought was a very kind offer. Yeah. No, sorry, Brian, don't worry. I flogged him to an unsuspecting American. Well, Ah, honestly,
3: I I would rather not see Nick's balls. Cowboy
5: bowling, (laughs)
3: cowboy bowling. Cowboy bowling.
6: Yeah. They're they're very loud this conversation.
3: I'm sure they are, Nick. I'm sure they are. (laughs) And anyway, we're going to continue with uh, this from Brian uh, Coleman. He says, hi, Jeff. Hope all is well. I attended the first annual plane tags festival Last night, and the owner, Dave, gave me a very special plane tag to give to you for all the hard work you do on the Airline Pilot guy show. And then he gave... Me a link to my own website. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> 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 um, he just
4: wanted to make sure that you knew what your website
3: was. Yeah, was I am helpful. getting kind of old. Yeah, so, test. you know, understandably, uh, thank you for the help. Uh, he says, Now you and I both know you don't do any hard work on the show, but I still thought it was really nice of him to think of you and gift you something. Yeah, we'll talk later, Brian. Uh, and then he was asking me about, you know, where to send them and all that kind of stuff. And then, um, he uh, also uh, included in this conversation Dave, the guy, the owner of this company, Plane Tags. And he said, uh, Let's see. Uh, we hope you enjoy the gift when you receive it. Uh, sorry to ruin the surprise, but it's our new Delta Airlines MD88. Oh, wait a minute. I got to expand this so I can read it. Um, uh, new Delta. Oh, where the heck did it go? Did it go? Did it go? Uh, our new. Delta Airlines MD-88 plane tags, authentic skin luggage tags made from the aircraft. Our company, Moto MotoArt, M-O-T-O-A-R-T, has been contracted to categorize Delta's retired fleet, and it's all for a good cause. 13% of every sale goes to the Delta Care Fund. Our first day in sales, we raised almost $10,000 with the MD-88s. Next up, we have the 757s in January. We also did a 747 puzzle for you guys for profit sharing a few years back, and I should have gotten a picture of that. But uh, anyway, uh, well, I'll have all this in the in the show notes. Um, so again, the company is Moto Art. Now I have to say I screwed up when I gave um, Brian my new address up in the uh, the cabin in the woods. I, I gave him the wrong number, um, the the wrong box number, and I was thinking, where are the Shouldn't have taken that long because he even sent me a picture of the uh, package with, the, and I didn't even recognize uh, looking at the address label that it was the wrong number. So sorry, Brian. It came back to him, yep. and then he uh, sent it. sent it back on its way to me. Didn't get it in time to bring it with me on this trip, but uh, I did thank uh, Dave, and I would I told him I would mention his company on the show, and there is a special. Um, Code that you all uh, in the community can use if you want to go to the website motoart Art uh, and uh, order yourself up a a tag. And I think I must have put that in the Evernote uh, thing. Oh, here it is. That's a discount I've code. Got
8: it. uh, yeah, yeah it's got it.
3: go uh, ahead. airplane geek. It's all uh, now here. It's all caps. I'm not sure if that makes a difference or not, but just to be safe. Airplane Geek, all in cap letters, not no S at the end of it. So it's not Airplane Geeks, but just Airplane Geek. Uh, A-I-R-P-L-A-N-E-G-E-E-K. And it's a 20% discount code. So thank you so much, Dave, for doing that for us. That was excellent. Great.
6: Now, if they're tags and they come from Aircraft Skin, shouldn't they be skin tags? Hmm.
4: Yeah. Tim I, don't know if I don't want a skin nothing like getting skin tags. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. They're not always the most attractive thing, are they?
6: No. They're
4: not, they're...
3: Yeah. Yeah. Unsightly.
4: So you're so your dermatologist.
3: Well, you know, um, I, I, I don't know how to segue into this. Actually. I was thinking about saying something about well, unsightly.
5: Cosmetic surgery. And then
3: cosmetics. Uh, how about, and... uh, unsmelly, um, yeah, let's do, which number is that, uh, Liz? The that uh number 18. 18, yeah. okay, thank you. All right, we're jumping to 18 for our last feedback item. I, I know, I know we're over two hour or three hours, but deal with it. Um, this is something <laughs> it's that- okay, I'll
4: just leave in two minutes when I gotta go. That's oh, okay, time. yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Say goodbye if you <laughs> no, want to. That
3: was good. Um,
4: no,
3: okay, okay. Uh, this is from uh, RT, radio or Russian- TV, I think, or I'm not sure what RT stands for. Uh, Anyway, RT.com. Russia, I guess the entire country, launches perfume that smells like a fighter jet. This this is from uh, the author of this article, Johnny Tickle. Mm. Russian performers have launched a fragrance in honor of the -the state-of-the-art fifth-generation Checkmate fighter jet complete with notes of glass and metals. Hmm. What does glass and metal smell like? I'm not sure. It was revealed on Tuesday at the 2021 Dubai Air Show. According to Rostec, a state-owned conglomerate that invests in defense and high-tech industry, the perfume was created specifically for the international premiere of Russia's new jet. Here's a quote from Rostec. The fragrance notes combine the scents of glass, natural leather, and metals used in the construction of the aircraft's fuselage, engines, and cockpit, noting that the performers used original samples from the plane in combination with light nuances of juniper, patchouli, and oak moss. Hmm.
6: The five uh, main notes armpit, of the cockpit... sweat. <laughs> <and> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah
4: that's kind of what I was envisioning. Maybe. And maybe yeah. burnt
6: jet fuel, JP5 or uh-huh. something? Yeah, uh, and a bit of stinky rubber. Yeah, that's probably... Yeah, hydraulic. Be, leaking, leaking,
2: hydraulic fluid.
3: fluid. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah so, sparking electric ozone. So, if I don't know where you can find this, I don't have a link here to uh, how you can order your bottle of the Checkmate oh, perfume.
4: I could get Nick Gilly a bottle for Christmas. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea, Liz. Probably on Amazon.
3: Liz is saying, Nick, you can get Gilly a bottle of this for, uh, for, for Christmas. Christmas. Oh, yeah, it would take her right
6: back to when I was <laughs> at my sweatiest <laughs> and nastiest. She Coming like, no, home after a, I remember, <laughs> I remember these. So. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah,
3: and I don't want to remember anymore. I, thank you. In my I smelly old flying suits.
2: That.
3: <laughs> oh my. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for our show this week. Um, I know, is. I know. Many of you are saying, "Thank goodness, thank goodness," and uh, we're going to talk about quickly the. Um, oh, I need to go back and find that email from Brian to remember what the uh, address is for our website. Um, here it is, airlinepilotguy.com. Check it out, where you can find information about the crew and the community and the community calendar and the plane tales and the library and merchandise and uh, ways to contact us, speech pipe, that kind of th- all kinds of good stuff there on our site. Please check podcasts. it out. Air- podcasts. Oh, yeah. We have podcasts on there too, but most of you are probably subscribed via your podcast client software or maybe just watching the youtube video i don't know what the heck you're doing out there but whatever it is keep it up and eight million uh let's see we also are on social media and steph we're so yes. glad that you're back and <laughs> tell us yeah I'm about back. the <laughs> social media <All> right.
4: <laughs> real quick where you can find us on facebook facebook.com airline pilot guy we're also on twitter we're at apg crew and find our individual twitter information pinned to the top of that page you can also check out Nick's lovely artwork on Instagram where APG crew. And if you really want the deep dive into the social medias, please check out Slack.
3: All right, we'll do that. And if you need to go stuff, bye.
4: Yeah, I'm going to say cheers, y'all. And I'll catch up with you guys in just a little bit about next week. And okay. um, I'll see the rest of y'all very soon. Very Love good. Y'all. Very good. Bye.
3: All right. Bye. All right. So uh, let me see if... Uh... Hillel made it to Houston. Uh, Let me see if I can find the uh, fader for the... uh... He was
6: there for a second.
3: Okay. Uh, Well, I hear him. Uh, Hillel, can you help me out with Slack? Slack? Okay, but I'm dripping wet. I know, we know. We know the deal. Come on over here. Make sure the robe is securely fastened before you sit down over here. Let me move out of the way and let you uh, tell us about Slack apg listeners please join us on our slack team slack is a communication coordination and sharing platform that works on your mobile laptop or browser on slack
7: we share news and ideas we suggest episode and plain tales topics we plan events and meetups to get into the slack team please email me at slack at
5: airlinepilotguy.com that's s-l-a-c-k Sierra Lima Alpha Charlie
7: Kilo at guy.com. or send me a tweet with your preferred email address to at Hillel and I'll send you an invitation. That's Hillel spelled Hotel India 11 Echo 1 and see you in Slack.
3: Thanks Hillel and uh, okay now go back over there put put, put some pants on please okay? Put, put, put your pants on.
2: It's caught in my zipper
3: Jeff! I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, oh boy. it happens. It happens. All right. And uh, also, we want to say a big thank you, a big round of applause for our producer, director, my assistant, and uh, the person that does 99% of the work on the show. And her name is Liz Piper. She's in Toronto, and we love her. Absolutely. Well done, Liz. Thank you. And. Yeah, that's it. One more show between this and the 500th episode. And uh, we look forward to seeing you all. Check it out um, in the uh, show notes if you want to get a room at the uh, Renaissance Concourse. Get Get a room. And until next time, wishing you all clear skies, unlimited visibility, and tailwinds. Take care and God bless. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.
7: Till I started APG, I opened doors for little old ladies. I helped them to their seats.
2: Airline by guy, I fly a mad oh.
7: Airline by guy, he can't land in heavy fall. I got no friends cause I'm always flying. I just don't have the time. But I can land this old plane. I can land it just
5: fine.
2: Airline, not a I. I fly a